Welcome to One Man's Opinion, brought to you by the Elite Fantasy, Fantasy Guru, and EliteSportsBetting.com. And now, here's your host, Jeff Manns. All right, welcome in everybody. Episode 14 of One Man's Opinion, the podcast that is sweeping the nation one way or another. I am Jeff Manns. Uh, appreciate you guys downloading the show, listening in. Tell a friend, let them know. One Man's Opinion, it's uncensored, it's free sports, anything else, pop culture topics. We are here for you. You could follow my work at fantasyguru.com, elitefantasy.com, elitesportsbetting.com. Follow me on Twitter at Jeff underscore Mans, M-A-N-S, the Jeff Mans on Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, and of course, my new favorite, like a 13-year-old or something, TikTok. I'm all over it. I'm singing. I'm dancing. NFL draft prospect reports recaps my reaction videos over on tiktok the jeff mans check it out there episode 14 talking nfl draft team grades going to go into the news the notes and the recap of the 2020 nfl draft real proud to have with me today from fantasyguru.com elitefantasy.com elitesportsbetting.com it's our good buddy armando marsal what's up my man Jeff, how is it going, man? You, you talk about TikTok here, and, you know, my <laughs> daughter has been asking me. Uh-oh. She's six years old, right? Okay. Do you have TikTok? I'm like, what What do you mean do I have TikTok? <laughs> First of all, I do. Second of all, yes. you're not going anywhere near it. <laughs> yeah. Anywhere near it. Man. But, uh, yeah, it, it's it's crazy, man. Uh, technology, we get these apps uh, pop up every so often, and, it's great, man. Uh, I, look, I, I'm humbled to be on the show, especially as your 14th episode. I was expecting, you know, eventually to come on, uh, but so soon, man. I appreciate you having me on. I'm excited to talk about uh, the draft. Uh, we, we had some fun times at the live stream on uh, last week, Thursday and Friday, and it was a hell of a draft, man. I, I really enjoyed it. It finally felt like the like something normal, you know, in the sports world. Yeah. Uh, so looking forward to breaking down the the entire draft. Uh, team by team with you today, man. It's going to be a lot of fun and uh, make no mistake, man, you are one of the best in the business. Follow Armando on Twitter at Armando underscore Marsal, part of the underscore mafia like myself. That's M-A-R-S-A-L. By the way, I'll get back to TikTok real quick. Here's the thing, and you tell me what you think, because I've been on this TikTok and I get made fun of by everybody in the industry all the time with it. But I'm going to tell you this. And we, we talked a little bit before, obviously, you and I talked frequently being coworkers and all that good stuff. Um, I, I just see Twitter has become so – Twitter used to be my go-to. Like I was on Twitter all the time and thoughts and stuff. And I just haven't been on there as much lately because I see so much negativity so much anger everybody not everybody but a lot of people baiting people into fights and arguments and gotcha mentality all that stuff when i'm on tiktok armando just chilling i'm seeing funny videos some are funny some are not but it's it's just not there's no like agenda it feels like and it just makes me more happy and it passes the time twitter it seems like everybody every time i turn around somebody's calling me this or saying this about that or whatever. And it's just, uh, I'm soured on Twitter a little bit, my man. Yeah. You know, honestly, when you look at TikTok, you see a lot of creativity. Uh, that's what I see. Uh, and a lot of people having fun. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I, I still haven't personally popped my cherry in TikTok. I have not submitted any, any videos or anything of that nature. 
Yeah. I, I'm just right now, you know, uh, kind of looking at things and, you know, viewing things. But um, it's only a matter of time before I go out there and, you know, create something. Um, but, I, I, you know, I have nephews out of state that they, they ask me to follow them. They do the, you know, they're doing the gaming stuff, sure. and the video games. And I just think it's a, you know, creative way for everyone really to kind of put themselves out there and, and show, right. you know, some, some creativity, some, some of their skills, what they're into, the, what they like. So I, I, I like it quite a bit, you know, in that aspect, I, I personally haven't used it myself and, you know, for, for my, my own use, but I do think that it's a good way to get creative and have fun. Uh, and, and so I agree with you. That's what we're all about, man. That's what I'm all, I try to be, although I'll be honest, I'm getting older. I'm more curmudgeonly than ever. Um, folks, we got a lot to talk about today. Obviously, Armando and I, uh, we covered the 2020 NFL draft for Fantasy Guru, Elite Fantasy and Elite Sports Betting.com, FanLinkSports.com is uh, where we hosted. If you guys uh, aren't members at Fantasy Guru yet, I think you go back at FanLink Sports, F A N L I N K Sports. Dot com And uh, you could see Mike Dempsey, myself, Armando, Russell Clay, Tyler Beaker. We sat there for three hours on Thursday, three hours on Friday, and uh, answered your questions, reacted to each and every pick, gave our thoughts and rundowns on those picks. So you can go there and check it out. And, of course, FantasyGuru.com, uh, all of our write-ups, Dynasty Rankings, my updated 2020 fantasy football rankings. We're doing winners and losers, the quarterback winners, the running back losers are already posted over there. So check it out. But we did have a fun time, I felt. And boy, was this needed. Like live sporting event, even though it wasn't a game, there was a, you know, so many players getting you know, coming into the league signing with their new teams, meeting their coaches and teammates and all that. It was, uh, I thought the NFL did a terrific job with it overall. Armando, um, the ratings were through the roof. 55 million people watched. I mean, it's up like 40%, I believe, 40, 50% over how many normally consume. They raised $100 million. In this down economy, they raised $100 million for COVID-19 relief as well. I mean, what other organization but the NFL has that kind of power? Yeah, it, I mean, that is insane. Um, and it just goes to show you how much everyone is craving sports, Jeff. I mean, you know, it's funny. I was having this conversation with my wife the other day, and, I, and I've told her the NFL is positioned to have a great and successful season mm -hmm. if they can get games going on time because everyone is going to be craving, you know, sports. Everyone's going to be wanting to watch sports, even if you're not a football fan. I think you're going to be watching sports this fall, assuming the NFL uh, season goes as scheduled. And right now it looks like it's going to go as planned. So I'm excited. I'm, I'm very happy for these, you know, these, these ratings that we saw. Mm -hmm. uh, it was a plus 40% like you mentioned uh, versus 2019. <laughs> um, it, it's, it's insane. I mean, Thursday alone, I read it was plus 37% from 2019. So wow. day one of the draft, nearly 40%, you know, uh, uh, up from the year before, that's a significant number, especially for a league that had a lot of controversy in, in recent years, you know, with some of the decision-making uh, for with the penalties for some of these players. So I, I'm very pumped, man. I'm, I'm looking forward to the 2020 season. I really hope that there's no delays. I know. I mean, right now we're sitting here, end of April, beginning of May, 
OTAs training or OTAs and mini camps likely pushed back. We were assuming that training camps don't happen until late July, though. I mean, that's a it's all ways away. A lot of optimism arounding this not affecting the NFL season very much. Now, maybe they wind up uh, pushing training camp or shorting training camp. Maybe they start the season without fans in the stands. Maybe they play without fans in the stands all the time. Who knows? Uh, But we can obviously see the taste that the general public have for sporting events for the NFL in any way, shape, or form. Hence the 55 million uh, people that watch. Um, what did you now? You and I were on the air for most of the Thursday and Friday breakdowns. Did you happen to see any of the uh, Roger Goodell stuff with him sitting in his chair, interviewing the players, changing clothes, any of that kind of stuff? <laughs> I mean, the, the Mr. Rogers stuff really stood out to us. We, we talked about that. <laughs> I think it was day one. We spoke about that. That, that sweater alone, man, that, that was something yes. to talk about for sure. Um, but I did see the end, you know, where he, he mentioned how much they, they, they raised, the NFL has raised for the COVID-19 situation. So uh, that was that was pretty cool. You know, like we, this is the first first time for us to see something like this occur. It, I mean, I've been following football since I can remember. And this is the first time we ever see a draft take take place the way it did this year. Um, so I found it to be pretty cool. I wouldn't be surprised, you know, I'm not sure how it went on their end as far as, you know, uh, the, the, the ease of it, but I, I wouldn't be surprised, man. If you start seeing, you know, drafts take place like this, you know, uh, at the end of the right. day, it's, it's going to cut cost for them. If you yeah. think about it, you know, so I, I think this was maybe a trial, a trial run for something we can see in the foreseeable future. I definitely can see I mean, there, there's really we re, we don't have a need. There's no need for everybody to travel. All that stuff. The only thing is, and uh, I think it was Ted Schuster pointed out to me because I said the same thing you did, and he said, "Well, what about the host cities, though? All the you know, all the the um, what it does for local economies when you go to Chicago, Philadelphia, Dallas, or supposed to be in Vegas, Cleveland next year." And I thought, "Oh, yeah, you're right." that influx of people in the hotel rooms and what it does for the service workers, all that, that probably offsets the, uh, the negatives as far as costs with the NFL. But I wouldn't doubt the NFL's smart, man. The ability to pull something like this off, I wouldn't doubt if we get some events like this, you know, they'll build up around, I don't know. I mean, some, maybe mini camps, maybe they'll have a training camp, whatever, any opportunity the NFL can to expand their season they're going to do it, and they've been very, very good at it. I'll tell you this. I was very impressed with Roger Goodell, and I've not been a Goodell fan ever, really. And, you know, maybe negatively, he's the commissioner, and I blame him for the catch rule and some of these really whacked-out things. I don't like the 17-week uh, regular season or 17-game regular season. I don't like the expanded wild card. I don't like any of this stuff. But I got to give credit where it's due. And he was a very calming influence and steady voice throughout the, all these hours. Like you said, the Mr. Rogers thing. Then he went late and sat in a chair, like, you know, just like Mr. Rogers. He, his interactions with the players that were being drafted, high, virtual high fives, hugs, talking about off the cuff, by the way, like back to the camera. He's looking at his screen, asking about their brother, their mom. Their dad, you know, what a, different things. I thought, my God, 
he's doing a phenomenal job just keeping people, you know, happy, keeping things moving. I, I was very impressed with the NFL commissioner uh, over this entire span. I, I think he really knocked it out of the park, and uh, he deserves the credit where credit is due. Yep, I couldn't agree more with you. And, and what I like about the NFL here, Jeff, is honestly – they're unlike every other sport, you know, they've had time to prepare for this. They, they, they're yeah. watching all the other leagues, you know, NBA had to shut down NHL had to shut down. MLB couldn't get their season started, but the NFL has had some time to kind of check out the situation, analyze the situation and plan accordingly. And I think that's, what's really going to help them out. Um, and after they pulled this off, I agree with you. You know, I've read some beat writers talking about there's going to be training camps, like, uh, or coaching setting up, workouts and workout plans that you can do video on video with teammates and stuff like that. I wouldn't be surprised to see that. I mean, a lot of these football players have the access to be able to facilitate this. So um, yeah, it's might might not be the same as doing it in person with your team, but I don't think these guys are going to just completely shut it out and not do anything. So I'm expecting these guys to be ready and somewhat, in shape, uh, you know, getting getting close to the start of the season. I certainly uh, expect that as well. Hope so uh, also. So what we're going to do on the show today, everybody, we're going to break down all 32 NFL teams' drafts. I have graded them. I am not like CBS. During the broadcasts, uh, the <laughs> live streams, Mike Dempsey, myself, Armando, Russell Clay, and Tyler Beaker, we are all making fun of CBS because, uh, here's my thing. It's like I wish that CBS and Yahoo and all these these companies that do these draft grades, I wish they would be the ones grading my kids' homework all the time because, like, everybody's good, everything's fair, everything's well. It, like, nobody has a bad pick ever. A bad pick is a C. It's like, no, in the real world, you fail. You, there are Fs. There are As. And what, I just don't subscribe to the idea – that we had 32 teams all do a very solid job. I don't believe that. So in my grading, Armando, I've never really given draft grades because I don't believe, I think they're generic, but I felt the need to do it this year because I'm like, screw this. There are some teams that failed and failed miserably. Awful, yep. horrendous players and picks and combination of picks and players, and they need to be talked about. And that's what we're going to do today. So I'm going to go through my draft grades. Armando's going to say he agrees, disagrees, certain picks maybe that he liked more than others. We'll go through it all with you here today. If you guys have any feedback, agree, disagree, want to give your own draft grades, compare them to mine and or Armando's, hit us up at Jeff underscore Mans, at Armando underscore Marsal, M-A-R-S-A-L, right there for you. And let us know what you think of these. A real quick post-draft or the third day of the draft, Armando, um, was a busy day for the 49ers, for, for 49ers, really. They wound up getting a former Redskins left tackle, Trent Williams, in a trade with the Washington Redskins. Now, all this uh, acquiring Trent Williams, we thought, was in reaction to all their – both their tackles are getting old. Joe Staley's old and whatnot. Turns out Joe Staley was retiring. And so the, the need to get – Trent Williams was a big one. They wound up trading Matt Breida away to your Miami Dolphins and then bringing in Trent Williams. Uh, We'll talk about the Trent Williams side of this first. What do you make of this uh, acquisition by the San Francisco 49ers? 
I mean, when we talk about the the type of offense that <laughs> that this uh, San Francisco 49ers run, this is a huge get for them. They they need that offensive line presence. They like to run the ball. Um, so I, I think this is huge. I, I really do think this is huge. We expected Williams to get traded uh, eventually here. Uh, we talked about it, I think it was on Thursday night, that Washington did a terrible job at trying to get rid of him or trying to, you know, uh, uh, get a trade for him. But it ended up happening. It ended up happening, you know, uh, later than we expected. But ultimately, I think this is a, a, a great get for the 49ers. Um, I think this is a great landing spot for Williams as well. Um, so I expect, you know, this backfield to continue to move the chains as we've been seeing them do. Um, and, and now with Matt Breda here uh, going to Miami, I think it's going to be easier to determine who, who the main back is in this backfield. If you had the trap, who are you drafting, Howard or Breda? Who's the guy to get? Who's that guy to have right now? Um, I'm, I'm still going Howard. Okay. Still going Howard. I, I think it's very close, and I think this is going to be ultimately determined, you know, in training camp and it, 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 in the offseason, and both of these guys are new to the system. Mm-hmm. So it, it's going to be really tough to decipher who, who's going to be the lead back, but I, I, I would assume that they're initially going to go with Howard first and and maybe just operate a running back by committee eventually, I think. Yeah, Howard's a safer pick at this point. I mean, Breida's got a long injury history. He's yeah. constantly banged up. It's one of those things. Um, we'll see how that plays out for the and the Trent Williams side. You hit it on the, the nail on the head. Is he's perfect for the system? What they they run this outside zone system, and it really taxes the tackles and the interior linemen. You have to be mobile. You don't have to be the biggest. You don't have to be the strongest in a. Kyle Shanahan um, zone blocking scheme. You have to be nimble and sort of light on your feet for a big guy. Trent Williams was the number one zone blocker uh, back in the Redskins days, you know, whatever, three, four years ago when he was uh, playing there and uh, before his animosity with the organization kept him out. So this is a tremendous fit. It's, a, it's an upgrade. Staley was good. Very, very. He's great. Trent Williams is possibly the best fit you possibly could have had. So kudos to them to replenish that. And like you said, getting Brita out of San Francisco is so much better for Mostert and or Tevin Coleman. Which one of those two running backs do you like the most in 2020? Man, you know, I'm a, I kind of like Coleman's fit for this offense, but they really liked what Mostert and he succeeded with what they were doing. So uh, again, another situation where, I wouldn't be surprised to see them ride the hot hand like we saw them do last year. And and injuries occurred here on both ends to both running backs. So it, it, it's really tough to pick one of the two. I, I kind of want to lean Coleman just because I, I think we, we've seen him do a little bit more over the years. But I think it's really anyone's, uh, you know, pretty much job for the taking here. Remember, this is one man's opinion, Armando. You, there's no, you say it with your chest. <laughs> say it with your chest. Say it loud. Let's, say let's it go Coleman. Let's go Coleman. Let's go. Yeah, Coleman. that's what we're talking about, let's go guys. Coleman. Right there. Boom. I I like Mostert. <laughs> <laughs> I like him better. I I don't know why. I uh, I was a Tevin Coleman fan coming in the league. I waited him out in Atlanta for a couple of years. Um, worked in 2016. Didn't work out. I thought it was good. Going to be fantastic in San Francisco. Mostert, like you said. Seem to like him. He's older. Don't forget, he's 28 years old. Um, 
So it's not like Mostert's this young kid by any means. He's getting older too. He led the NFL. You realize he led the NFL in yards per carry last season with a minimum of 130 attempts. That's 5.6 yards per carry. Pretty damn good. And uh, he was exceptional. Eight touchdowns there as well. Uh, what do you catch? Eh, he didn't catch a lot of balls. 14, but he caught two touchdowns of the 14 receptions he had. So he was very productive. I like Mostert a little bit, but I, you know how I roll, Armando. I'll take both. Like, I'll just – I'll gobble up both of them and then I'll let them fight it out and just see. Hopefully it's settled, though, before the this season starts because otherwise I'll be in a problem right there. And the latest <laughs> – we have is uh, Jameis Winston getting a one-year contract to be the backup in New Orleans. So he finds a home. Cam Newton still sits and waits post-NFL draft. What do you make of Jameis Winston in New Orleans? And let me ask you and, and follow that up with the question, who is the backup quarterback for the Saints? Um, all right, so Winston went from a QB, from a QB1 to pretty much – Someone you're not drafting uh, in redraft leagues, it, you know, you need a, an injury to Drew Brees for Winston to step on the field here. I personally think Winston is the backup. I still think they're going to use Hill um, more than they use Winston because they're going to use him in situational, uh, you know, plays and stuff like that, like we've seen them do in the past. And I think uh, Brees came out and said that he doesn't mind if they use Hill, you know, in situational uh, uh, times. But when you look at the backup, if Breeze goes on, and I think we saw that last year when Teddy Bridgewater took over the starting job, um, they, they really don't feel like Hill is someone that they can trust, I, I think, at least based on what I've seen, um, uh, pretty much to start and, and play every single snap. So um, there's a reason why they signed Winston here. They, they, they really want a backup for Breeze if Breeze goes down. Um, I, I think Winston will be the guy that gets the majority of the snaps uh, for, for the, the Saints here. And um, I agree with you a thousand percent. And t- But Taysom Hill's the next Steve Young, supposedly, according to Sean Payton. <laughs> they also gave Taysom Hill $16 million guaranteed, $21 million two-year contract. It could be worth $21 million with incentives. I'm like, wow. I'm telling you, man. I, I've said this before, and I'll say it again. Something is unnatural with that relationship between Sean Payton and Taysom Hill. I don't know what is. I don't know what's going on, what the involvement is. It doesn't matter to me either. All I know is there's something very strange because it's unheard of. And it's like we all just kind of sit back like, oh, yeah, he likes to use. You're taking out one of the greatest quarterbacks of our time, Drew Brees. Why would you ever do that? Like, I don't care. It's like Kevin. You know, uh, Luciano Pavarotti on stage, and you're listening to him singing, hey, Pavarotti, why don't you take a seat? I'm getting – let my guy Roy here from the bakery. He's going to come up and belt out a few notes in this operetta. <laughs> like, what are you – what? What? Why? What? You have the best. Just let the best do the best thing. Well, that's a different angle. You don't need a different angle. You know what you need? Line up and win. The Saints have such a good team. Have for three – best team in the NFL last three years. Zero Super Bowl appearances to show for it. That is a disaster. So I don't know what's up with that. But uh, I agree. At least they're rational and brought in Winston, who if something does happen to Breeze the way it did last year and they had Teddy Bridgewater, I think Winston's a very capable replacement um, here as well. All right, let's get into some of these draft grades here, Armando Marsal. And we, I'm going to start out with the good. 
We'll work our way down. How about that? I gave out seven A's in this draft out of the 32 teams. Now, I gave up three A-pluses, two standard regular A's, and two A-minuses here as well. So we'll start out on the positive end. Um, let me, I'm going to see if you can guess. Give me a team you think deserved an A-plus, and I'll tell you if they – did or not. I think the first team, on, if we're going alphabetical order, Arizona Cardinals, to me, did very well in this draft. Um, so that might be a team you have an A-plus. I might be wrong, but I, that would be a team i give a good grade in this draft. The Arizona Cardinals, to show you how tough of a grader I am, got a C-plus, my friend. Wow. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Jeffy, don't play around. Like, uh, I think it was, a, I love Isaiah Thomas or Simmons. Uh, Isaiah Thomas. Good Lord. I'm thinking of the, <laughs> the last dance. Thoughts on him, uh, by the way, on Twitter. At, I love Isaiah Simmons, but they missed. They should have taken Wills or Becton. I strongly believe they got Josh Jones, which is a good find there. I didn't like the back end of their draft very much. After Fotu is okay, Rashad Lawrence, okay. Um, just that, that was it. I, I thought they kind of missed a little bit. Productive player in Isaiah Simmons, but they had a chance here to do something special. I think they kind of missed a little bit on it. Um, I still like the Simmons pick, but I, I just think better for them. No, my A plus, my top A, the number one team in the entire draft, Denver Broncos. Yes. I, I loved what the Denver Broncos did. It started in the first round. They got gift-wrapped Jerry Judy because the Raiders are an abomination of humankind. Uh, Jerry Judy is the best receiver in this draft. I don't know. I, I, I'm doing, I do this study every year, and we'll post it on fantasyguru.com, but 40-time um, does not equal fantasy success or even NFL success. It is one of, if not the singular, most overrated metric that's ever been created, yet every draft season, we all use it, myself included. 40 times is, is important to know how fast a guy is. But my God, like you can't tell me Henry Ruggs was better than Jerry Judy under any circumstances in the world. I, you, can't have, you could not have watched any game. Ever of Alabama could not have watched it because these two were on the field at the same time and said Henry Ruggs was better than Jerry Judy, yet he was four picks ahead of him. I thought the Denver Broncos, their focus on offense, KJ Hamler in a second, uh, Cushenberry, who my god, was that a great pick in the third round? Lloyd Cushenberry is a, a player I've talked about many times, he's a leader uh, amongst the offensive line. It's, just a very, very good run blocker, mediocre in pass blocking, but really good in identifying coverages, identifying blitzes, and, and that, which he's – and I said this before the draft, Armando. I said, wherever Cushenberry goes, immediately raise your expectations of that quarterback because he will help that quarterback. He's Jeff Saturday. That's what Lloyd Cushenberry is. I strongly believe he elevated Joe Burrow last year. Go look at that national championship game, specifically the second half, identifying where, you know, this is where Simmons is on the field, pointing out to everybody where the def what the defense is doing. Uh, I think just an, Albert O, Natani Mutai, uh, offensive guard. I thought the Broncos had the best draft of all. I mean, I have them as an A-plus as well, to be honest with you. Um, 
like, and I wrote this. I I actually did the day two recap for the mm-hmm. the you know the draft here for FantasyGuru.com, and I said my, my my opening line is say what you will about John Elway as a general manager, but he has done a fantastic job in this draft to put this young quarterback Drew Lock in a position to succeed. All right, they their first two picks are receivers. You mentioned Judy. Again, I agree with you. What are the Raiders doing drafting rugs? No, I'm, not, I'm not taking Done. anything away from what Ruggs did. I understand. I am. Speed I'm is, taking is away speed. from him. I'm taking okay. away. <laughs> but 746 receiving yards is the best he has done in college. You're talking about Judy, his teammate, who had two 1,100-yard-plus receiving yard seasons back-to-back on the same team as Ruggs. Okay? So, again, and you also have I, – I, so I had Ruggs ranked six. Uh, among receivers in my in my rookie rankings before the draft, um, I, I, look, Lamb in my opinion is much better than Rugs. Judy is much better than Rugs. Higgins, I think, is one of the most underrated receivers in this draft class. Yeah, in my opinion, is better than Rugs. Okay, so w- again, Raiders have the option of getting any of these guys, and they decided to go a different direction. So, I I, I am glad that that, that that it happened this way because, like you mentioned, Denver Broncos. This offense is really appealing to me. They have a lot of weapons. They 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 beefed up the running back. Uh, you you mentioned they they drafted a center here to really get that middle of the line, give some protection to this quarterback. Uh, added two receivers, Hamner in the second round here. I, I I think it's you know he's someone that's capable of stretching the field. They're this is really a dynamic offense. And when you look at what they've done, they addressed the cornerback position in round three. Um, they got a defensive tackle in round three as well guys that can really help on the defensive side of the ball. And, and then when you look at what they did later on, they, look, round six, I know the talent when you go to round six is not great, but they're still addressing the, the guard position, yes. wide receiver position, edge position. They, they're really establishing a strong and deep foundation here. So I, I was really impressed with what Elway did in this draft. And I, I agree with you 100%. This is a team that really did – very, very good in, in the 2020 draft. Yeah, you know? and, and, and when you have a young quarterback, you really want to set them up in, in a good situation. And I think that's what they're doing. You have to, absolutely have to take out the name. Because here's what happened, and this is why it pisses me off so much with CBS, Yahoo. Every, you're going to say John Elway, oh, he's missed on this and he's on that. People grade biasly. They think they're trying – to assign a grade and they don't know as much about these players, which is obvious as somebody who's done the research on it and knows who Natani Mutai is um, from Fresno state. And they say, well, he's bad. So I'm going to give him a bad grade, which is baloney. What the Broncos did for one, they brought in Pat Shermer. All right. That's number one. They bring in Pat Shermer, a new offensive coordinator, and they load him the hell up on, on talent all over the field. You get the field stretcher in K.J. Hamler. You get the just very, very polished route runner in Jerry Judy. You already have Cortland Sutton there. They signed Melvin Gordon in the offseason. You get a leader on the offensive line and an interior like Cushenberry, a run-blocking mauler like Mutai. Albert O., by the way, who was what? Where did he go to college? Missouri. Oh, where? Drew Locko? Missouri. He's college teammates at him. You have um, – Noah Fant on the other side. How are you going to – now Pat Shermer's going to be able to create mismatches literally all over the field. Who are you single covering? Sutton? Judy? 
Hamler, who could burn you, Noah Fant, Albert O, Melvin Gordon, Philip Lindsay. You want to run power, run Gordon. You want to run zone, runs, run Lindsay. Like, my God, like, what? How are you going to defend this team? So they did just a magnificent job. They really did. Their head coach is uh, uh, Vic Fangio, Vin Fangio, who, by the way, is a defensive coordinator. He could scheme up just about anything that you throw at him. And when your head coach is a defensive guy, well, defense is always going to play up. And uh, thus, they addressed the, uh, they, they addressed the um, offense side of the football, and, and there you go. So they got an A+. The Baltimore Ravens get an A+. Plus. I don't really – I mean, no surprise there, right? No. I mean, this has been a team that has been doing it year in and year out. Uh, just pretty much crushing the drafts every single season. Uh, I, I, look, let, let, let's start with the first pick, Patrick Queen. I think that was phenomenal. A, a really good linebacker here, one of the best in this draft class. Then you follow that up with a very dynamic running back in J.K. Dobbins. I, I mean, to me, that is huge. Um, they once again, this is okay. So this is a defensive team. They once again draft a defensive tackle in the third round. They get a receiver and a linebacker and a guard. I mean, these they had a ton of picks in that third round. So they went defense, receiver, linebacker, guard. Mm-hmm. When you look at the team needs, they addressed the team needs. They really yeah. went after what they needed. Mark Ingram is 30 years old. I, I wrote about this today, you know, with the hits or misses. J.K. Dobbins is someone that's going to step in there. I don't think he's going to have any immediate role right off the bat. But I think if you're looking long-term – this is a phenomenal fit for this offense. He's in every down back. He can do a little bit of everything. So I, I really like exhausting that second-round pick on someone like Dobbins because this is a young and upcoming offense, a well-coached team. This is just putting the pieces of the puzzle together. So I really like what the, the, the Baltimore Ravens did. Um, I, I agree. I, I have them at, at – you, you have them at A+. Plus. I, I have them at, at, at a solid A+. Um, you know, but still a great draft for this team. I think uh, put him over for me at least. Uh, one of the guys. I mean, I love even though he doesn't fit. Devin Duvernay is one of my favorite wide receiver prospects coming into this draft. Their third round uh, pick. I don't know if it's a good fit for Duvernay because he's a he's a run after the catch type of guy. He is not. Uh, he's not Marquise Brown who tracks the ball down the field. He's a run the quick slant and explode and go. Very Henry Ruggs-esque in a way. He led the nation in receptions, though, so I don't know if Lamar Jackson could feed him the football in the proper way, but if they are able to connect on that, like that's a whole new dimension. One play can give just a whole different dimension to this Ravens offense, and Greg Roman has shown that's all it really takes in simplifying it. One other A-plus, and this one hurts my soul, Armand. I mean, this, this, <laughs> I am not, you know where you're going I am this. not happy. East Coast team. Indeed. It's the New York Jets. Oh, no. What? You're kidding me here. And mostly it's their first three picks off the board. Mackay Becton, I raved about him all pre draft, all during the draft. I couldn't believe he fell to 11th. This is an all world tackle, not an all pro. Not a Hall of Famer. I'm talking an all-world type of talent. Now, does it does he develop into that? As a, I don't know. But he's six seven, three sixty-five. 
that can't be taught. And the fact that he ran a 5-140 and he got off the line of scrimmage very – I think close it. I, I can't remember the first 10 yards of that was in, even more impressive, right, it, which is all offensive linemen really should be timed. That 10-yard dash is what they should be. Um, nimble enough. I watched so much tape on him that people will, well, he's big, he's not polished. You're right. But what if he gets into that polish? He is so good with his hands, keeping people back. His feet are always well-positioned, gives that wide base, uses the leverage for him. God, I love this kid. So that was an outstanding pick and something so needed for Sam Darnold, Le'Veon Bell. Denzel Mims was a huge find, slipping to the 27th pick. Is that true? And the, the 27th pick in the second round, uh, why he fell, I mean, he doesn't run all the routes or didn't at Baylor, but still. I mean, neither did, you know, Sammy Watkins was, what, the fourth overall pick? He didn't run all, all the routes at Clemson back in the day. There's a lot of this. Mims is 6'3", 210, and with great leaping ability, great hands, can't really teach that. Ashton Davis is a real good safety that they got in the third round here as well. And then James Morgan, the quarterback in the fourth round, Florida International. I had him as the best small yes. school quarterback in this draft. Pretty damn good, all all uh, things being told for the Jets, here, Armando. Yeah, I, I mean, look, when, when the Dolphins took Tua at that fifth overall pick, I cringed because I really wanted one of these offensive lines. That can be one of those guys because I'm I'm a I'm a believer in you know you build from the offensive line up. I mean, that's really to me when you look at some of the great quarterbacks, Peyton Manning, Tom Brady. Typically, what they had consistent every single year was a pretty strong offensive line for most of their career. Maybe not every season, but for most of their career. And I really think that, that that's something that goes overlooked, you know, especially from, fa- from a fantasy perspective. Not, not many people pay attention to that. But I, I think that's super strong. You mentioned Mims. I had him ranked, you know, we talked about rugs. I had him ranked ahead of, you know, rugs uh, when we did our, our, our rookie rankings. I really did. Uh, just think he offers a lot of upside here. Um, and they really needed someone here to take over as the number one wide receiver. And I think he can very well do it. I, I really do think he has the ability to be the number one wide receiver for the Jets. You know, I know they got Crowder uh, out of the slot. I know Perriman is an intriguing deep option, but Mims could be their guy. He can be their, 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 their you know, their, their number one guy here. I, I think he fits very good in, in, in this, on this offense. Um, and then, like you mentioned, Davis, they, they needed help in the secondary. Um, and, and they got that help at, at, with the 68th overall pick. And then you look at what they did. You mentioned Morgan. I think he's someone that, you know, will eventually can become a, a really strong backup. And if Darnold doesn't pan out and you, and you really mold this kid really well, he, he, can, he might be able to surprise some people. Um, they drafted a, a running back. They went guard later down. So, I really like what the Jets did as well. I, I'm obviously not a Jets fan by any means, and I was expecting them to completely blow yep. uh, these draft picks, but surprisingly, they did a better job than I anticipated. Yeah, they really did. So kudos to the Jets for, for getting it right this time. Those are the A-pluses. The A's, I have uh, the Colts, which I think had a very steady, strong draft. I mean, what the Colts did by uh, getting Michael Pittman Jr. It, with the second pick of the second round. They didn't have a first-round pick. So they get him with their second pick. Then they trade up for John Taylor with the ninth pick of the second round. 
I mean, they, they literally just locked in two of their biggest weaknesses and got depth at wide receiver, and they got their starting running back, as far as I'm concerned, in 2020. Marlon Mack, a guy you were very high on going into the 2019 season, and you, were, you hit an absolute home run with them with 1,091 yards, eight touchdowns from Marlon Mack. Uh, but I, I, I'm wondering, are you, what do you think? I mean, Taylor, do you make this pick if you don't make Taylor your starting running back? No, you can't make this pick without making Taylor your starting running back. And he was a big winner for me uh, out of all the running backs uh, in this draft class. When you look at what he's capable of doing, he's an every down back, Jeff. I mean, he can catch the ball out of the backfield. He can run in between the tackles very efficiently. He's pretty strong at run block uh, and pass blocking. I'm sorry. Um, and and you, you, you made it. You, you made a great point here. This is a team that look, their, their defense is mediocre at best, but this, this team is going to strive on the offense. They have a strong offensive line. They got T.Y. Hilton. You know, they just signed Phillip Rivers. This is a team that's going to try to make a run with their offense, and they're going to have to score points. When you look at teams like the Chiefs and you look at some of the other AFC teams, they're going to have to score points here, Jeff. So Taylor, to me, man, that's a home run pick. Pittman is an awesome pick. I think he really complements T.Y. Hilton very well here. Um, and let's not let's – not, I don't think we should overlook the fact that they took Eason in the fourth round. Right. We talked about them getting mm-hmm. Rivers here. I think they're planning for the future with someone like Jacob Eason. They, they have the luxury now of just letting him learn the ropes, teaching him the playbook, letting him get up to speed with this offense, and eventually becoming their, their quarterback of the future. I'm not sure if he's going to pan out. But I think it's a great situation. I think they're really setting themselves up nicely. And I, I, I like the, the, the guard pick in the fifth round at Pinter. Yes. You know, he's, he's not great. He's not elite. But he doesn't have to start right away. And these are the type of picks that two, three years down the line make a big, big difference for an offense like the Colts. Much better run blocker than pass defender. Pinter was a uh, tight end, I believe, at first at Ball State, or he transferred in. He was a tight end. I know that. But uh, great move. You look at the – I made this point during our live stream of the draft, and I made it on SiriusXM several times in the days leading up to the draft. I tell everybody, go look at the Indianapolis Colts roster. And you just – specifically on defense, you're going to be absolutely stunned at how unbelievably good every position is. And what most notably – they are very strong on the edges. Their edge rushers of Darius, uh, of Darius Leonard and Justin Houston, and now you, it, so it's amazing. Uh, Malik Coker in the back, Xavier Rhodes, Rocky Sin on the sides with the, and the cornerback positions defensively. And now, and then tackles Costanzo and Braden Smith, second-round pick from a couple years ago. Now you go and you build it up the middle. You mentioned um, – uh, um, why am I blanking? Uh, Blackman, the uh, – no, no, Blackman, the safety. Danny Pinter was the guard you're talking about. Robert Windsor of Penn State. Robert Windsor, a lot of people talk – a lot of comparisons in the Big Ten to J.J. Watt from his college days. Again, this is a sixth-round pick I think they got. Uh, a Windsor, but he's a relentless pass rusher, could play tackle but also move around. They built up the middle on this draft and uh, end with their acquisition of DeForest Buckner. So Colts get an A. And then the other team that gets a straight A is the Cleveland Browns, who I'm – they didn't make a ton of picks in this draft. They made – but their first two and one other uh, – a couple of the other ones, uh, Jacob Phillips, uh, LSU in the third round. But 
that's all it needed. They made the picks they had to make at the 10th overall in Jedrick Wills. I am all the way freaking in on the Cleveland Browns offense in 2020 here, Armando. So they say if at first you don't succeed, you try again, right? <laughs> and this is what we're doing with this Browns offense. Not only did they add him, but they, they added um, the gentleman from the Titans. Who I forget his name. Um, yeah, uh, Jack Conklin, um, right tackle. Yeah, Conklin, Yes, that's right. So they beefed up this offensive line, which was clearly an issue. And we, we look, we, we talked about it. We were all high on this Browns offense. But you, I remember clearly you mentioning the biggest issue here is the offensive line. Yeah. And what did they do this, this offseason in the draft? They addressed that major need. They, they got two guys where they're going to be immediate starters and really create an anchor on this offensive line here. So I agree, you know, like you mentioned, what they had, what, how many picks? I think it was seven picks. Uh, most did they have that many? Yeah, yeah, they had seven, but most of them were mm-hmm. third round or later. Uh, yeah, all but yeah, so, yeah. a couple third and fourth, fifth, sixth. Uh, but what they did was they made their first two picks count. Uh, Delpit is a very strong safety that I think is going to make a huge impact on this defense. And when you look at Jedrick Wills, he was my number one offensive tackle on, you know, out of this draft class. I, that's who I really, really wanted the Dolphins to draft. Unfortunately, they did not. But um, he's, look, he's going to make an immediate impact. He's going to be an, an instant star there for this offensive line and just really help out uh, fill a big need for this Browns offense. So I think this helps uh, Baker Mayfield and Nick Chubb and every other offensive player Everybody. On, on the Browns. I, I really do think that these kind of players make a huge difference, and you don't see it in the box score, uh, but they're there making the difference every single Sunday, man. No doubt about it. And Again, it's so – where people go wrong with giving out grades is when you start talking about, well, a team had seven picks, nine picks. Oh, they did good. No. I mean – I would rather have one pick in the draft. Back in the day, uh, Mike Ditka for the Saints traded away his entire draft for Ricky Williams. And everybody's like, oh, my God, it's a terrible move. I sat there and said, well, not a terrible move. That Saints team was loaded. Willie Rolfe, great offensive line. That's what they were going to do. They were going to run the football. And why not go get a purebred in Ricky Williams? It's better to get the guy you need now. Didn't work out for the Saints, but not because they didn't have four or five other picks. That's in, those picks turned into nothing, by the way. The Redskins got them, literally turned into nothing, all of them, which is hilarious. But nevertheless, getting the right player, and that's what, that's what uh, uh, Jedrick Wills really was for Cleveland. I really love their second-round pick and Grant Delpit as well. They drafted Jacob Phillips, a nice two-down linebacker on the inside as well. So, Donovan Peoples-Jones, they gave him some size on the outside, something they desperately need at the wide receiver position. They don't need any more. They don't need a steady force. They need a guy that they could split out wide and throw jump balls to because Beckham and Jarvis Landry don't quite have – they don't have that dimension to them. So getting a big, giant guy with great leaping ability and high-point ability, that's what you needed in Peoples-Jones. So I thought that was a good – pick as well so uh they got an a the a minuses detroit lions i keep thinking to myself i'm like why did i give them an a minus like really did they because i I wasn't impressed with them during the draft at any point but when i total everything up 
And you look at Jeff Okuda, the, the absolute best corner in this draft, and I don't think there's any debate with anybody, um, knows the route, studies the playbook. He's got size, a willing tackler, ball hawk. and things. He's just – he's great, and he's going to fill a huge need there. Then they go get DeAndre Swift. They'll go get Julian Okwara from Notre Dame, who I got to see play a lot. Um, didn't love how high – they went and acquired, but he, uh, further examination really fits that uh, that defensive system here. That uh, um, ah, the new defense coordinator Undlin, um, Corey Undlin, right? Yeah, that's it. I think that's it. Uh, maybe I butchered his first name, but Undlin is the new defensive coordinator for the Lions. Jonah Jackson was a great find at guard and the interior as well. Another desperate need. So as we start like piecing this together, Armando, I'm like, damn. Lions are pretty good for themselves, you know? They added some depth at other positions later on as well, but uh, I got to give it to them. That's one of the, the the surprising A's that I had to give out. Yeah, I look at their first five picks, and they're, they're rounds one through four, and I really see a strong draft here. You know, we talked about uh, the best corner out of this draft class in, in Okuda. Then my – in my opinion, the best running back in this draft class in Swift. I wrote, I wrote a, you know, I did his uh, NFL draft player profile. Mm-hmm. Uh, I compared him to Frank Gore in the sense, I think he's a better Frank Gore, but he, I think he's going to be, have a long NFL career. I think he's capable of doing a little bit of everything, you know, and it's probably the most NFL ready back out of this draft class. Um, and I agree with you on, on Aquara. Uh, but I do think it fits this system really good. I do think he's going to be a, an immediate impact for the Lions. And then they went pick the next two picks with guards. And we're talking about a team that went from 31st and 32nd in rush attempts per game before Patricia came into the picture to 18th and 15th, you know, with Patricia in the picture. I, I really think the identity of this offense is run first, and that's what it's going to be. And they they, they addressed that in Swift, and then by drafting two guards around three and four. They might not be immediate starters, but I think long-term, and when we're looking in the future, I think that's what they're preparing for. So I, I agree. I, I, I gave them an A in my draft. I know you gave them a – you're saying a B, right? That's what I you gave them my A-. No, a minus. No, A minus. Okay, so I, I have them as an A. I really like what they did with their first five picks of this draft. And then, the, the, you know, rounds five through seven, they, they just pretty much went value picking and yep. – Filling in, you know, I guess, you know, depth needs. There's, it's really difficult when you get in the rounds five through seven. I've done as much research, I think, as a human can do. Like, I, maybe machines could do better or whatever. But I, I like to – I don't use data-only driven analysis. I, if I don't see it, I don't know it. That's just the way I live my entire life. You know that about me at this point. Um, <laughs> so if I don't see it, I don't know it. So it's hard to get to those – there's a couple, I mean, we'll talk about some you know, real good late-round picks that are made, but for the most part, you don't really know a ton about them, but if they fit needs, I give, uh, I give credit to, to those positions that do fit needs. The other, the last A of my seven teams, um, I reluctantly give an A- minus because I did not like their draft, but this is one of those rare instances, Armando, where – they had just too many picks. That's your Miami Dolphins. I am not a Tua fan. Oh, oh, that's not true. I'm a fan of his. I just don't think he is a franchise quarterback. 
I love the kid. I mean, it, this is very much Kyler Murray-esque. Although Kyler, I thought he screwed over Major League Baseball. So I guess two is not like that. I, I love the kid, love what he stands for, hard worker, everything about him personality-wise and effort-wise is way above board. I really struggle with that arm. I don't think he has downfield ability at this level. Um, quick West Coast, quick hitting West Coast offense is best for him. think that's what they're going to do. But, you know, Chen Gailey ran a lot of pistol back in the day as well. So I, I, they're going to have to show – they're going to have to build the system around him. And coming in with Chen Gailey makes me a little nervous. But if they believed in him, they think he's a quarterback of the future, they took him fifth overall – I'm willing to kind of look back past my downside of him and say, well, they did get their guy. They protect him with Austin Jackson. Another bad pick, in my opinion, at offensive tackle, but that's who they believe. I love, I like the corner, Igbanyani. I take that, Mike Dempsey. I know, at the, at, uh, and their other <laughs> first-round pick, uh, I like that. I love Robert Hunt. I talked about him from Louisiana Lafayette a lot. Raquan Davis I loved. From Alabama, their defensive tackle, the guy who took over for Jonathan Allen when he left, uh, has been a force in the middle there for a while. And uh, Jason Stobridge from North Carolina is one of my underrated pass rushers that they ended up in the fifth round. So I like what they've been doing. You know, and I like the, the, I like the later round picks much more than I like just Tua. You're a Dolphin fan. I know you were craving some early round offensive linemen too. Give us your breakdown, Armando. Yeah, I mean, I'm in the minority when it comes to Miami Dolphin fans. I did not want to. Uh, I've gotten a lot of shit from, for, and I know we can curse on this, right? Yes, but sir. I've, I've gotten a lot of shit from, from my yeah. friends down here, man. And I've been, I've been uh, having fun, you know, teasing them and stuff like that. I, I really hope I'm wrong, but I agree with you. I do not think Tua is the Dolphins franchise quarterback of the future. I, I truly, genuinely hope I'm wrong. Uh, but look, they're, they're, number one, when you look at what he had, you know, in Alabama, the offensive line he had to work with, the weapons he had to work with at the receiver position, he was stacked, you know. And in Miami, he's not going to get that, not off the bat at least. And you're talking about a guy that has battled injuries, coming off a major hip injury, which is very concerning for a quarterback to me, you know, because uh, they use that part of the body. I know I know, we think, oh, the arm, but they, they really use that to extend and throw a pass. So. To me, that's that's concerning. I know he passed his physical. I know everything looks fine, but that's not under pressure. That's not getting hit by some of the big boys in this NFL. Um, and I think that all changes once he goes under center. Uh, the good thing about this is that I do think they have the luxury of, uh, and I I don't like that the fact that they, they might take this route, but I do think they should. And, and they have the ability to sit him out for one year, let, let him learn the ropes. They have Ryan Fitzpatrick there, a veteran quarterback that can kind of you know, guide this team uh, until Tua gets uh, the understanding of, of the offense and, and, and of the playbook and everything else. Um, but we still, we, we did add some some depth at, at, at the, you know, offensive line here. Uh, you missed in Austin Jackson. I agree. I, for some reason, I'm not sure why Josh Jones fell, but I really would have picked yeah. Josh Jones there. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm the one that's wrong here because he didn't go until a couple rounds later. Um, but I, I would have selected Josh Jones over Austin Jackson myself. Um, they, it, it, what, well, how do we pronounce that? Noah, I'm going to say Noah. I, I, been, yeah. Mike, Mike Dempsey pronounced it perfectly fine. I can't honestly, yeah, yeah. but I'm going to say no. I, that, that to me was shocking to say the least because 
we just paid two corners <laughs> a right. lot of money on yeah. defense. So uh, from what I've read, that they're thinking of maybe moving Jones to the safety position. Um, I don't know how much sense that makes, but I liked Hunt a lot. Davis, the defensive tackle, he was, and I said it, I think, on, on the live stream, he was, there was a lot of mock drafts that had him going there. And from that point on, what the Dolphins did that I liked was address a lot of needs. You know, they signed it. Uh, they, they, they needed a safety. They got their safety. They, they got a defensive tackle. They got an edge rusher, like you mentioned, in Strobridge. Um, another, another edge guy in Weaver. You know, so they got a long snapper as well, um, which I found <laughs> I thought I don't was get pretty that. funny. Ted, Ted um, Schuster ridiculed them for that. Like, why do you <laughs> – that is a bad move. Like I don't. I, it is you have too many, especially needs. when a team has so many needs. You know. Yep. Um. But but I I like that they filled in a lot of needs, and, and and that's something that they haven't done. I think they really could have done better though. Uh, I I don't give them a name myself. Um, I'm more in the B C plus range, just because mm-hmm. I really think they could have used their their three first picks to me could have been used totally different and much better. Um, I, really I agree with that. I really do. Like it's it. You can only screw up. You have three first round picks. It's hard to be as lackluster as the Dolphins did. Like it, I mean, you have to really strategize on being that kind of. Uh, you know what I mean? Like that. I mean, they got good players. If two works out, it'll end up being you know obviously a great draft class, no matter what, right? As long as it really relies on him but uh they got a lot of players there so that's it for the a's the b's i had nine teams got b's from me three of them got b pluses three got b's three got b minuses look how symmetrical i am right here (laughs) uh we'll start at the top the top one um that i thought could have gotten a real close was the new york giants I did not love them taking andrew thomas over mckay becton or jedrick wills I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. It's they didn't completely flush it out. Andrew Thomas a good tackle, strong, safe pick, right? No doubt. I think Wills is better, but they preferred Thomas. Okay, I'll give them some license there. I loved Xavier McKinney. What a should have been the first round, the best safety in this draft. Huge need, huge check mark, uh, check mark for the Giants. Then Matt Pert, who uh, Dempsey and I went at each other a little bit about Mike Pert. I'm a fan. Out of UConn, big, tall, uh, not quite as polished, but got all, you know physicalness, natural hands, which I love um, in my offensive linemen. I thought those first three picks for the Giants were really, really special. I like this. I like Shane Lemieux, a guy who could move around the um, offensive guard they took in the fifth round. Here, I had a much higher grade. I had him in the top ten of interior offensive linemen in my rankings as well. So, uh, yeah, I like a lot of things. They got a lot of depth at the linebacking core, a couple of corners in here as well. They need to replenish the secondary. I thought the Giants did a very solid job. B plus. Yep. I, I love what they did at the start of the draft. I agree with you. Thomas might've not been the direction I went, um, but they still addressed a major need. Uh, and again, we, we talked about this with Denver, that they're preparing a young quarterback. And a young running back, well, at least in, in the Giants, uh, for succeed. To, to, in order to succeed here, you got Thomas in round one. In round three, they went with Matt Pert, which I also think is it can be an immediate. I think these two guys can be immediate starters. They drafted the best safety in this draft class, like I said. I, 
look, McKinney could have gone to the Dolphins in the first round. It's a need for them, and they didn't go in that direction. Uh, and then when you look at the rest of the draft, Jeff, in, in, in round five, they went with Shane Lemieux, another guard. So they're addressing that offensive line. And then this this defense was not as good as they, you know, that that we're used to for the Giants, at least in years past. So they went linebacker, edge, linebacker, corner, linebacker. What does that tell you? They're just getting as many bodies and as many players on the defensive side to see who pans out. They're see, trying to see what sticks to the board here. Um, so I, I like what they did here. I, I'm very impressed with how they drafted the first three rounds. So I think those first three picks are super strong, uh, for the exception of maybe going in a different direction over, you know, at, 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 with the fourth overall pick. I would have gone Wills personally. Um, that would have been a, a plus plus for me if they would have gone Wills and then just mm-hmm. draft the rest of the way the way they did. But I, look, they, they know what they're doing and they're setting up this offensive line to be very strong for Daniel Jones and company. Another team that uh, I gave a B plus to, well, uh, yeah, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and I kind of ridiculed them. Now, I learned since that they, they were trying to move up for Jedrick Wills. They had deals in place, but uh, they couldn't get, uh, I believe it was Arizona at eight. They couldn't get Steve Keim on the phone, which I found to be hilarious because uh, the general manager of Tampa used to be the assistant in Arizona. But either way, Tristan Wirfs has problems in pass blocking, I talked about his drop step and his uh, his footwork during our draft coverage as well. I'm sure you know they'll work with him and all that. So it's not the he's so athletic. I think he'll be a, a tremendous guard eventually, and maybe he sticks a tackle and they get him straightened out. But solid pick. I'm fine with that. I really love Antoine Winfield Jr. in the second round. I love Keyshawn Vaughn, who, by the way, has a ton of fantasy appeal in the third round. In the fifth round, they draft wide receiver Tyler Johnson, who doesn't have the hands of an Edelman or a Welker, but he profiles as that smooth route runner, quick twitch guy to get off the line of scrimmage and get open immediately for Tom Brady. And there's a small percentage of my soul here, Armando, that says, Maybe Tyler Johnson's going to play slot with Godwin outside. That could happen because this is a very unique player in a unique spot. Now, his hands were a problem at Minnesota. We'll see. But overall, this is a pretty good draft class for a Tampa Bay team that, that has improved rapidly this offseason. Yeah, so right off the bat, Worfs was one of my top four you know, tackles in this draft class. I think that, that was the consensus um, for him. So I think they fill in a major need here. Winfield, I agree, a very strong safety. And then I've been talking about it. I'm not a Ronald Jones guy. I haven't been a Ronald Jones guy since he entered the league. I was one of those that really didn't care too much for him. Um, I just didn't see enough out of him to feel comfortable. And I think, you know, in year one with Bruce Arians there in Tampa Bay, I think he felt the same way because when you're losing, you know, snaps to Payne Barber, and some of the other backs in this backfield, it's really tough to consider you a good running back in the NFL. So they drafted a guy that I think went under the radar uh, a little bit, you know, in yeah. this draft class. Vaughn had him ranked, I believe it was uh, sixth or fifth uh, before the draft. And I think he's going to step into an immediate role here for Tampa Bay in a good offense. Um, and I agree with you, Jeff. You know, when you look at this, the, the receiver, Tyler Johnson, I'm not sure if he's going to – have a, an immediate impact, but I definitely think, uh, and the reason why is because we don't know what's going to happen in training camp. And something we know about Brady is he's going to need to gain trust from his receivers. 
And I think he'll have an easier path to gain trust from someone like Godwin or Mike Evans, who's been around the league a little bit longer than someone like Tyler Johnson. But eventually, I do think that you're going to see that type of chemistry because he is that type of Brady receiver that Brady just leans on, like we saw with Edelman in the past, and we saw what like we've seen with Wes Walker. Like that, that's the kind of receiver that Tyler Johnson is. So eventually, I do think that we might see that. I just don't know how early in the season we're going to see that. But I agree. I mean, I think they really hit the first three picks spot on. The um, I, Every pick they make, in my opinion, was an immediate impact. I, I don't yeah. feel anything about Tampa Bay right now in the offseason with knowing the clock on Brady and Gronk and these guys, even Evans and all this stuff. Uh, I feel like every everybody was drafted to impact this year at the very least. That's why I'm a little interested in seeing what t- happens with Tyler Johnson. I have the Kansas City Chiefs. They got a B-plus as well. It's hard not to. They didn't have a lot of picks, but defending world champions, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, uh, uh, Lucas Nyang from uh, TCU, I thought was a great pick as well. They didn't have a lot. Willie Gay Jr., strong inside linebacker, a need there. Again, Kansas City didn't have to do much here, but uh, they, they still got the B-plus out of me. Edwards-Hilaire, do you expect him to be the uh, the bell cow in Kansas City? I expect him to be the best running back in Kansas City. I don't know if he's going to be the bell cow, um, but I think he's going to be so highly involved in the passing game. I I, I actually wrote about that today um, when when I broke down the running backs and when you look back at Andy Reid's running backs, they've been you know you oh, look yeah. at Brian Westbrook. Hilarious, Edward Hilaire is very similar to, mm-hmm. you know, his tool set, you know, that, that, that Westbrook had. Someone like Ray Rice, I compared him to Ray Rice a lot. Um, he might not be as fast as Ray Rice was uh, in the combine, but I, I think the tool sets is what I'm looking at here. And I, I think this is like the perfect fit. This is the, the type of Andy Reid running back. And look, he, he gets a lot of BS you know, but I think he's a very smart coach. He's been around the league for oh, so man. long. Um, oh, it's, over. it's over. He won a Super Bowl. Like, it's over. Now, yeah. it's funny to me because I've been in Andy Reid's corner for years, and people constantly, all Philly fans, rail on him. And now now he won, though, and now everybody's like, oh, yeah, Andy. Now he's celebrated, which is uh, always fascinating to me What when that happens, you know? Yeah. But, yeah, I think so, the Chiefs are there. Uh, the Bees, uh, we'll move on there. Uh, it, it starts with the Cincinnati Bengals. I mean, obviously, having a first pick in every round pretty much helps, uh, I would say. But, I mean, getting Joe Burrow, what are your expectations on Burrow as far as a career here? Is Because it was an uneven college career. Very hyped up in high school, big-time recruit, goes to Ohio State, just didn't really fit with the Urban Meyer thing. LSU, he had one of the most legendary seasons of all time as far as quarterbacks are concerned. Can he keep that heat going into his pro career? Oh, man, I, I, I'm indifferent about him. I, I don't think he's going – I don't think he's going to be great at the NFL level. I think he's going to be a, a, an average quarterback, one that can get the job done. We've seen average quarterbacks get the job done in years past, you know, if they're surrounded with the right supporting cast. I mean – for goodness sakes, we saw Tannehill one game away from the Super Bowl. You know, we're talking about average quarterbacks here. 
Um, so I, I think Burrow in a good situation can get the job done. We'll be able to take his team to the playoffs. And I, I, I just look at it. When you look at Burrow, do you, do you think he's ever going to beat Patrick Mahomes in a playoff game? I would say no 10 out of 10 times. You know, there's going to be that one potential luck time that he gets, but I, I really just don't see it. I do like what, what the Bengals did here because I, I mentioned earlier, I love T. Higgins. I think he's probably as close as A.J. Green as you're going to get, you know, coming yeah. out of this draft class. So Very I, I do, Yeah, I do think he's going to replace A.J. Green here long-term. And again, I, I, I believe we're going to see Bur- uh, Burrow and Higgins, you know, um, connection for, for years to come. And then... You know, I would have preferred. I would have liked to see them address the the offensive line a little bit more here, uh, but based on you know where they picked and, and, and based on their draft selections, I, I think they did a pretty decent job. Yeah. Um. You know, with with what what they had to work with, but I really would have liked to see them address that offensive line, which been has been an issue for for a couple of years now. Don't forget, they have Jonah Williams coming back. Last year's number yes. one pick uh, that was injured all of 2019. Uh, the uh, elbow tear, uh, shoulder tear, if I'm not mistaken. That uh, That's a big-time impactful uh, guy there. I still don't know what's happening with Cordy Glenn, if they're going to end up bringing him back for a value. But uh, so offensive line is better. Billy Price, Trey Hopkins, who they gave an extension to at center, um, I do. I would have loved to have seen them dip into those waters myself, but I, I love what they've done here with Higgins and Burrow, and I agree with you there. Burrow, to me, it's a tie between two quarterbacks that I see in, in Joe Burrow. It's Matt Ryan and it's Matt Stafford. But that's who I see here. I, I really – I don't know if he's ever if he could keep the steam going from his final year of college, but all I, what I do know is there's not another NFL quarterback who ever had a college season like Joe Burrow had, like that Mahomes, all of them. Not, I mean, it's not even close. So there's, you know, I'm. It's not the right, you know, he's not getting Andy Reid, and that's a big uh, reason why Patrick Mahomes became Patrick Mahomes. But I think Joe Burrow has that trajectory to be the next Matt Stafford slash Matt Ryan, like right in there. He's more athleticism than Matt Ryan ever did. But maybe an early career Matt Stafford, you know, not quite as big an arm, a little bit leaner than him, but still some escapability and ability to run a little bit. Stafford get hurt the first two years he was in the league, took him down a notch. The Bengals get a B for me. I gave the Redskins a B as well. Um, now obviously these, both these teams had the first two picks in the draft. It's hard to screw that up very much, but, uh, when you start out with chase young an elite level pass rusher, I think that elevates the entirety of the Washington Redskins defense. Antonio Gibson is a gimmicky type player, not my cup of tea. I don't like gimmicks in, in pro football. I really don't, but I know they're going to use him like that. And you have to, when you have this dearth of an offense i absolutely love antonio gandy golden i think that's one of my favorite small school wide receivers that was in this draft they got uh sadiq charles from lsu they got keith ishmael from san diego state so some offensive line help which they desperately needed here as well so i thought the redskins did a very solid job and a lot of that obviously being chase young second overall yeah when you look at 
getting the best defensive player in this draft and arguably the best player in this draft class. Uh, I, I think it's hard to really go wrong the rest of the way. Uh, they addressed the receiver position, something that they really needed help in uh, here. And, and then I like that, you know, fourth round pick at Charles, a tackle, mm-hmm. kind of suggesting they expected Williams, <laughs> you know, uh, to, to be gone and, and, and yeah. whatnot. So, look, it, it's it's a fine draft. They didn't have a ton of early picks, but when, with the two picks that they had in the first you know three rounds, I think they really did a good job. I'm with you. I'm not a Gibson fan, and I wouldn't be surprised uh, to see a, a Gandy uh, Golden here be the, the the best receiver for the Redskins out of this draft for them. Um, I wouldn't be at all shocked here. Oh, I wouldn't fully expect that to happen. The other B gave out Minnesota Vikings get that one. Uh, I I like Justin Jefferson, but I'm really worried on how they're going to end up using him. Uh, Gladney, I loved in this uh, uh, end of the first round. Ezra Cleveland, we talked about a lot on our live stream, a very strong offensive tackle out of Boise State. Somebody needed there as well. Uh, and then they they – Filled the cupboard up with guys in their secondary uh, and and on the defensive side of the football where they've sustained so many losses this offseason. So I like what the Vikings did. I worry about Justin Jefferson, whether he's going to play the slot and move Thielen outside or if they're going to keep keep Thielen inside, move Jefferson outside, which I think is their best path. Because I'm telling you and I've told everybody, Adam Thielen simply cannot break outside coverage i don't know how many more games and times we can see this but let's stop pretending that he's an elite level wide receiver he dominates lesser competition over the middle let him do that move jefferson outside that worries me here armando yeah i I think they're going to use jefferson on the outside look I, i know last year he played Pretty much all of his snaps, it was, let me see here, 870 of the 937 snaps mm-hmm. out of the slot. Um, and he was very efficient. But the year before, he played a lot on the outside, uh, lining up 133 times out of 697 uh, snaps on the outside. Or I'm sorry, out of the slot. So the majority of snaps were on the outside. He did very well, 875 yards, six touchdowns in 2018. Jefferson and I wrote about him. I did his player profile. So I, 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 one of the things I concluded was this is a receiver that is capable of playing anywhere on the field. He can play on the outside. He can play on the inside. Very talented receiver as well. So I do think that they're going to use Jefferson. If they're smart, they're going to use Jefferson on the outside, use Steven on the inside. And pretty much Jefferson is going to come in and replace Stephon Diggs. Uh, and, and I think you're getting a ton of upside and a ton of seeding here. Uh, with a very talented receiver. So I really like that pick a ton. Um, I, I like Gladney's uh, pick towards the end of that first round as well. Uh, you, we talked about in depth Cleveland being a, a really strong tackle here. Uh, I think a very strong get, especially for a team that we saw them really, uh, you know, pound, pound the ball that season with Dalvin Cook. Uh, and, and I foresee them doing it again this year. Uh, and then again, you know, once they got to the third, fourth, fifth round, they, they just really went defense here. They went defense. They started filling in needs. When you look at this offense, there's a ton of weapons. Uh, they, they, not, that, not saying they, they don't need help, but they're pretty set on offense, and they really focused the rest of the draft um, here on defense, which I thought was very smart on their end. 
It uh, indeed was. So that's the end of the B's. B-minuses. Teams did pretty well for themselves. Uh, I put the Tennessee Titans into there as well. Uh, Isaiah Wilson, strong, you know, offensive lineman. He he will come in, he'll play right tackle, fill right in for Jack Conklin. That's a very important get for them. I like Christian Fulton. We talked about that. That was a second-round pick. I think he fell way further than I anticipated the corner out of LSU. And then Darrington Evans, who's the best one-cut runner in the entire draft. I call him the best zone runner that there was. And one thing that surprised me is when I dug in, I'm like, oh, man, I didn't like him in Tennessee. Tennessee was actually middle of the pack, dead in the middle, 16th in zone runs called last year. So they ran more zone than I thought because this is a power-blocking team for the most part. But – uh you know, that really does fit Darrington Evans. Uh, I did not like him square peg in a round hole if you're talking, you know, power blocking scheme because he just doesn't have the body for it. Yeah, and I think that's that's the biggest knock on Evans here. It's just his size. It, yeah, he is he is fast, but uh, doesn't break a ton of tackles, undersized. And just I, I don't know, um, you know, if he's going to fit here. But uh, when you look at, Isaiah Wilson, I, I love that pick as well. I think that's a very strong pick. And Fulton, I have him as the second best corner in this yeah. draft class. I might be wrong there, but I had him as the second best corner. So I think this is a steal for them. Um, very good value here um, for them. And then when you look at the rest of the draft, it's, you know, defensive tackle, fifth round, quarterback, seventh round, DB, seventh round. These are guys we really don't know if they're yeah. going to pan out. But the picks that they needed to make count, I think they really did for the exception of maybe Evans, but I think that just speaks volumes of what they're planning on doing with Henry in the future. No doubt. And Henry, you got to have protection. He, Darrington Evans does become the handcuff to uh, Derrick Henry in yes. fantasy football in 2020. The other B minus San Francisco 49ers. I love Javon Kinlaw. We cannot, as good as he is, we can't mistake the fact that they didn't improve with Kinlaw. They basically just got a guy who can replace DeForest Buckner, who they sent to the Colts um, early in this offseason. So I thought that was good, uh, necessary pick. Still liked it. Brandon Ayuk, a solid pick, you know, 25th in the first round. I didn't have that high a grade on Ayuk. Um, It's fine, but nah, was, you know, kind of iffy on that. So the 49ers, and we can't – all this stuff that they did, they also got Trent Williams in there as well, which is a little tiny part of it, even though it's not an official draft pick. Um, so I thought they did a very, very solid job. They did what they needed to do. Nothing spectacular, though, to me, about four years. Yeah, nothing at all. Kilo, to me, was a, a good pick, but I, I'm, I'm with you on the AU pick. I'm just not a fan of it. Um, I, I think there were other receivers they could have gone. Um, but when you look at the team, when you look at how the team and, and the offense is built, I do think that he complements, you know, Debo Samuel really well here and might fit into the system. So I think they just drafted a system guy here uh, instead of a talent and maybe a prospect. Um, and then again, Will- Williams was part of that. that you have to consider that, you know, when, when you consider the trading, um, Williams was part of that. And that's a huge guy. I mean, that is a huge guy. We talked about that earlier. So, that's why. I, that's the only reason why I would have them there. Otherwise, I, I see this as a maybe a C. Uh, you know, if yeah. you're just looking at draft picks and not considering Williams. 
right? I I could that it was close. You know, they they just kind of got over on what they they needed to do. Um, a lot of praise goes to um, John Lynch and deservedly so. Eh, just a whole hum draft. The final B minus I gave to the New Orleans Saints, and this is the proof that less can be more. The Saints had four total picks in the entire draft, people. The number one pick was Cesar Ruiz, who is an absolute downright run mauler in the interior of the offensive line, something that the Saints desperately needed here. Don't forget, um, you know, Eric McCoy, second, uh, second round pick from a year ago, is their starting center. And they have they re-signed Andrews Pete, which was huge for them. But uh, they had a big, big hole at right guard this uh, offseason. And Larry Warford is their guy that was from Detroit, uh, started. But it was the, that by far their weakest spot in the center and right guard spot. And Ruiz could play both. So that was a great get in the first round. Zach Bond fell to them amazingly in 10th pick of the third round which I, I really liked. And Adam Troutman is a very small school, but a, you know one of those uh, big-bodied tight ends that was also a need here. So, you know, three very solid picks all in a row for the Saints, enough to get them a B-minus here, Armando. Yeah, and, and I think they, this is when you, when you only have four picks in the draft, you got to make the best of it. And I think that that's exactly what they did. They addressed not only needs, but they really hit on you know, the, the, the players that I, I, I agree. I think Ruiz was probably the t- top ranked center on my board here. Um, very good fit here for this New Orleans Saints. And then you look at Zach Baum. I, I really think he's going to help them uh, in, in the defense side of the ball. And, you know, Trot, Trotman, I mean, I had him not too far uh, away from what's uh, Cole uh, Net. Stop there. it. Come on. <laughs> oh, God. Stop that. You know, yeah. and uh, he went uh, a, a little bit later <laughs> than called it. So, um, like, I like what the Saints did here. I agree with you. This is just a perfect example of good teams don't need a lot to make things work, and in yep. a good front office is going to make fill it the work. holes. That's yep. and I, you know, this is the advice I'd give the dynasty leaguers as well. Like, just too much rebuilding, you guys, and you're. You stop. Stop rebuilding all the time. Perpetual rebuilding. Stop overhauling your roster every offseason. Less is not always more. And in fact, many, many, many times, less is worse. Or I'm sorry, more is worse. You make all these moves and you, you open yourself up for more failures. As great as you think every move is, chances are you're going to have some stinkers. You're going to fail on some of them. And if you continue to perpetuate that moves, 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 trades, 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 get draft picks, get draft picks, more likely you are to screw it up. So take a page from the Saints, especially if you were a competitive team or won a championship last year. You don't need to overhaul everything just because it's a brand new year. The C, seven teams got a C from me, three got a C plus, two C's, and two C minuses. We talked about the Cardinals. Now, you and I see differently on the Arizona Cardinals draft. I like Isaiah Simmons. I like Josh Jones. That's kind of it. I think Benjamin's a fine get. I've stunned he went, didn't go into the seventh round. Uh, I do wish that the Cardinals would have addressed their offensive line instead of Isaiah Simmons. Not that there's anything wrong with Isaiah Simmons, but uh, that's why they get a C plus only for me. 
Yeah. So we've talked about this before and just like the Denver Broncos, they're playing within the division. So they're building an awesome offense to play against someone like Kansas City. Look, the, the Arizona Cardinals needs needed someone to be able to defend George Kittle. I know it's only two games, but you win your division, you're in the playoffs. Uh, and I think they're viewing it this way. I would have probably gone offensive line as well. Uh, but I think they made up for that in that third round with Josh Jones. Someone I, I really had going, you know, late first round, um, dropping all the way to the third round. Uh, my, my analysis and my opinion of him may be totally off, but I do think he's someone that can start right away in the NFL. I, I, he's not great. He's not exceptional. But once you got off that those four top tackles, I think he was right there in that next tier. Um, out of this draft class. So I, I find it very talented. And then you look at what they did the rest of the way. Defensive tackle, defensive tackle, linebacker. These are all name, needs for Arizona. And then they go with a running back in the seventh round. Um, look, it, it might pan out, might not. But I, I really do think that they drafted out of need here uh, and just putting themselves in a good position to at least win that division or, or put themselves as close as possible to win that division. So I like what they did here. I, I gave them an A. I know you have them much less than I do, but uh, I, I think Simmons is a hybrid defensive player that can be pretty much utilized all around the field. Can and uh, I like the initial reports from Vance Joseph that says, "All right, we're not going to make him cover. We're not playing him at safety or corner. Not going to get crazy. We're just going to play him, at, you know, on uh, at linebacker. We'll move him around um, from Mike to Sam and, and whatnot, but." Uh, yeah, I, I like Simmons, like I said. I like Jones. The rest of it, though, up in the air. Another C-plus, Buffalo Bills, they get a C-plus from me. A, uh, AJ Ep, uh, Epenza, I don't know why I can't say that for some reason, from Iowa. Uh, Zach Moss, who is a nice compliment for Devin Singletary right there. Jake Fromm, the hotness of his mama's side. <laughs> um, puts a little bit of pressure on Josh Allen there. So I think uh, uh, Epenza, Epenenza, why do I keep Epenessa? Epenessa? Yeah, something doesn't sound right on that for me, but either way, whatever it is, the uh, uh, defense end from Iowa. And Zach Mott, I think it's solid. I'm not overly impressed with any of these uh, selections from the Bills, though. Yeah, considering they didn't have a first-round pick, I think they did pretty decent as well. Uh, you mentioned Ebenezer, a, a really good, uh, you know, defensive end. It's going to, you know, pretty much help them with uh, getting pressure on the quarterback. Zach Moss is not someone I was as high on as a lot of other people in the industry. Uh, I, I think I, it reminds me a lot of Martin Mack, where he's just a north and south runner, not a ton out of the pass, uh, not a great pass catcher out of the backfield. But I do think he complements Singletary very well. Um, and I would not be surprised to see them use Moss in short yardage. Um, and in, maybe in the red zone here, just, I think a very similar role to what Frank Gore had. Uh, although I do expect Singletary to be the lead back in this backfield. A aside from that, I, I agree. I think Fromm is an interesting pick because Josh Allen, yeah, from a fantasy standpoint, he's great. You know, he gets it done with his legs and whatnot, but accuracy and as a passer, he's really not anything out of this world. And that's someone I'm totally impressed with. So it, they might not be opposed to, you know, getting from familiar with this playbook, familiar with this offense. And in a couple of years, if, if Allen can turn things around in the passing game, they might have to change, uh, you know, uh, their tone with, with the quarterback situation here and go in a different direction. So 
I like the, I like that from pick a lot more uh, than most. You, you know, also can't you can't rely on a guy running the football all the time as your quarterback without having a capable backup because that guy is more prone to get injured. So you know having somebody back there makes sense to me. Uh, otherwise, just ho hum for me for the Bills. The final C plus. Give it to the Dallas Cowboys. I did not like the CD Lamb pick. Like, I just don't like it. Now they got a value on him. I just don't understand. You know, I mean, if I'm building an offense, like I, I need one receiver. Give me a one receiver. That's it. If you do, if you run your offense correctly, yeah, one two receivers. That's what you need, man. You don't need glutton of talent at all these positions that are dependent on other people performing. I'd rather help do whatever it takes to help those other people perform. And um, so it's a, it's a good player, but I just don't know what that does to the Cowboys overall. I did like Trevon Diggs. All right. I, I did like uh, be a days from Wisconsin. I think that was a good pick and a necessary one to replace Travis Frederick in the fourth round and Bradley and I is somebody who I'm, I've got a little bit of uh, a fascination with that was their fifth round pick who I watch a lot of Utah's defensive backs for this draft and was kind of impressed with the night getting the quarterback forcing rushing um, poor throws in my opinion that helped out those corners. So not, a, you know, some decent picks here, good talent. I just, I'm not as sure on, I guess, on C.D. Lamb. I look at it as they drafted a number three wide receiver, and I question why in the first round. Yeah, I, look, to me, I, I think this was a Jerry Jones move. Just take the flashy and probably it, probably the best player at the time he was selected uh, on the draft board. Um, obviously, now they need not an ideal fit for the team, especially when you just pay Amari Cooper. Uh and, and you really didn't need uh, the receiver. Uh, right. But nonetheless, he's getting a superstar potential receiver here. Uh, so so I, not that I agree with it, but I see why it was done. I love the Diggs pick. They really need help in the secondary. Uh, they followed that up with Reggie Robinson uh, in the fourth round. Not that he's great, but they really just needed help in the secondary here, especially after losing Jones. Uh, Gallimore is a great pick. Uh, they, they addressed major needs here. Uh, at the defense side of the ball, and, and like you mentioned, be, be it is um, yeah. really a big need for this team. We, we talked about it on draft day. This is an offensive line that two years ago was arguably the most dominant one in the league. And between aging and injuries, it's really not as great as it's perceived to be right now. Uh, so definitely a, a major need for them. I, I like what they did. Um, I think if they would have gone a different direction in the first round, you probably would have given them a higher grade. Yes. Um, but look, this is when you look at this offense now. I mean, there there's going to be very little. Um, def- there's going to be very little anything any other defense can do to stop them. You got Gallup, Lamb, Cooper, one of the most you know dynamic running backs in the league. I'm not a fan of the tight end here. So I'm not really, you know, going to consider him a weapon here. But you got three really strong receivers and arguably one of the most uh, dynamic backs in the league. So it's going to be tough. And, and I'm a Prescott fan. I'm not saying he's exceptional. I'm not saying he's, you know, an elite quarterback. But I think he's a very good quarterback and is capable of throwing inside the pocket and also going out and scrambling and beat it. So I think this is a really strong offense. Um, I, I, I like him a lot. 
There we go. The C's. Just two teams. I have the Panthers and I have the Jaguars, both with uh, a C's. Um, not overly impressed with either uh, teams. I Hard to miss seventh pick overall, Derek Brown. I thought that was a great pick. And the Gross Tomatoes uh, from Penn State was solid enough as well. Small school, safety, Jeremy Chin, a necessary move after losing Eric Reed to free agency. So some decent picks here from the Carolina Panthers. Uh, definitely like Derek Brown, but eh, just just a ho-hum for me with the Panthers. And then the Jaguars, very similar. I like Chase on. I like C.J. Henderson, their first two picks. Chanel, I was never a fan of. I watched Colorado play a lot, um, watched every single game of theirs this season, and I don't know why. Just fast guy. I'm not overly impressed with his ball skills at all. And they had a lot of picks that I felt kind of were swings and misses from the Jacksonville side. Which one of these teams drafted you like better? Um, I – I'm indifferent between the two. I, I agree with you as far as Brown. I mean, that, that to me is a slam dunk pick. You can't go wrong with that. Yep. Arguably one of the best defensive players in, in this draft uh, and could end up being the best defensive player out of this draft. Um, very close with Chase Young, if you ask me. Um, so, But aside from him, the, the only thing I liked about the, the Panthers um, draft is that they addressed the defenses out of the ball a ton, something that you know I, I, I think with coaching here, can get the job done, you know, and, and if you build and surround yourself with enough talent here on defense, I think they can get it done. Um, but nothing that wowed me, there was no picks that I found were tremendous value or I found were uh, slam dunks by any means aside from, from Brown here. And then when you look at the Jaguars, kind of a similar um, situation. Um, I, I think they could have really used a wide receiver early on. And I believe Mike Dempsey continues saying, uh, that, that he was expecting a wide receiver being taken earlier, and, and they addressed it in the second round. Uh, and, and I thought that was fine, and they addressed the, the defense early on. But really, there's no pick here that I felt was super strong. Um, I actually think Chason was their, probably their best pick, and that was at 20th overall when you look at the entire uh, draft for the Jaguars. But no slam dunk picks for me here. If I'm leaning any direction, I'd say Panthers slightly. Uh, but both kind of underwhelmed in this draft. Yep. Speaking of underwhelming, my C minuses. I have both Los Angeles teams, the Chargers and the Rams. Chargers get their quarterback sixth overall, Justin Herbert. Uh, I've talked about him. I, I liked Kenneth Murray, another first round pick for them as well. Josh Kelly, blah. Uh, not a fan really of him. So the rest of the draft was very blah to me for the. Chargers, it's obviously history will decide it based on how Justin Herbert does. Um, but Herbert is a guy who looks the part, and I think that's about all he's going to do. I really just don't see him being able to play at a high level in the NFL, Armando. Yeah, when you have a Jared Goff scene, it's tough to, to pan out really good in the NFL, I think. Um, and, and that's kind of who I compare him to. I believe Russell Clay did the same thing in his article. Um, and I just don't know if, you know, if he's going to pan out. He, he can get the job done, assuming he has the right tools and the right, you know, weapons to work with. And, and you know, fortunately for him, this is a pretty stacked offense. Uh, but long term, I just don't know um, if, he was, if he's going to be worth a, a six overall pick, to be honest with you. 
And this is a draft that to me was unimpressive. Like they didn't have much to work with. They had six, uh, six overall picks here. But you look at the difference between what the Saints were able to do with their four picks and what yeah. the Chargers did yeah. with their six. And it's a, it's a big difference. You know, Huge. a big, big difference in my opinion. Uh, no one here really impressed me. I, I wasn't a Herbert guy going in, you know, into this draft at all, especially I, I, there was a lot of ties with Miami and, and Herbert. I didn't care for it. Um, so I'm just pretty much unimpressed with what the Chargers did here. Nothing stands out. The Rams, I love Cam Akers to absolute death. He is one of my favorite picks of the whole thing. I love him going to L.A. with Sean McVay and the Rams. He was one of my favorite players coming in. So I love that move. Uh, Van Jefferson, second round. I like Van Jefferson. I don't get why they took him there. And then the rest of the the Rams picks, just everyone kind of questioned. I just questioned every single pick they made after Cam Akers. Um, very disappointed with the Rams overall. They needed offensive line help, obviously. They needed secondary help. They needed uh, some another corner opposite Jalen Ramsey, and they went out and got a bunch of safeties. So I just uh, I think some missteps here after Cam Akers. Yeah, I agree 100%. You got Cam Akers, to me, is a slam dunk pick. I, I think in every down back, someone that underrated coming out of this draft class simply because of where he played in Florida State, no yeah. offensive line. You've talked about that, and you've harped on that more than one time i've heard you on, on serious exam you've said it on your podcast you said it on live stream and it's the truth eh? you know i dug into it and he is just in a position now to succeed and i think he's going to be there every down back i have zero doubts i know there's people still talking about darrell henderson i they, they, they wasted a 52nd overall pick on cam Akers to put them there every single down Henderson was a non-factor last year. I expect him to be a non-factor this year. Maybe, maybe work as a pass catcher on occasions, but I fully expect Akers to be there every down back. I agree with you on Jefferson. When you have someone like Cooper Cup, I don't know what Jefferson is going to do for you because Cooper Cup is yeah. their slot receiver, and the majority of what Jefferson did in college in Florida was out of the slot. So that made no sense to me. If you're going to try to replace a receiver, you're going to try to replace Brandon Cooks, which is no longer on the team, someone that's going to line up on the outside. So 57th overall pick, that was a head scratcher for me as well. And when you continue looking down the line here, they just really did it too much. And this is a team that had a lot of draft capital. Uh, you know, I, let me see. Yeah. Here, Paul. It's seven picks, I believe it is. Three, three were in the seventh round, but yeah. Yeah, correct. But no first still, when, when you look at their first, their, they, they had four in the top three rounds, and they really didn't make any noise aside from Cam Akers, in my opinion. Nothing that really stands out to me. Um, so I agree with you. I, I, I have them greater than, you know, probably C minus D, like, kind of where you have them. So okay. don't, don't like them aside from Akers. Um, the, the bloom is off the Sean McVay Rose. Like he made a Super Bowl, he was the. Poster child NFL, one nine and seven season, and boom, we're on. That's how fast the NFL moves, everybody. So those are all what I would consider passing grades, like C, you know, A plus through C minus. We've got nine teams left. Four got Ds, five got Fs. <laughs> the Ds, uh, I'll go through rather quickly. My D pluses um, are the Steelers and the Eagles. And I think the Steelers did fine for themselves. There's not, you know, wasn't a lot. I love Chase Claypool as a player. 
I don't love the pick that the Steelers chose him. That's a crowded wide receiver room already. Deontay Johnson, James Washington, Juju Smith-Schuster, uh, all of that. They had other needs to address, even a couple offensive linemen they never drafted. Anthony McFarland, they went and got a running back, but I don't like this particular running back. Just unproductive, a guy who came off the field a lot at the University of Maryland. I know it was only a fourth-round pick, but I just kind of didn't get the Steelers. They got some quality players, but not ones that really fit. And then um, let's talk about the Steelers real quick. Yeah, so I, I think that's pretty much – you're hitting the, the, the nail on the head here. It's not that they didn't get talented players. Is it, is it a good fit for the team? And like you mentioned, I, I don't think some of these players are a good fit. Do they have talent? Are they, are they going to be utilized properly? We don't know. That, that, that's something that we haven't seen yet. But when you look at what we've seen in the past from this Steelers team, none of these players really seem to fit what they do. And right. that to me is when, when, you, when you draft in that, in that manner, it, it's tough to really be excited or project anything positive. So uh, they didn't have a first-round pick, which is you're always going to be in a bind when, when you have that and you have a first-round pick. Um, and like you mentioned, Claypool is exciting, but the problem is a crowded receiving core here. Uh, we talked about that on, on, on the day of the draft. We, we said, yeah. how is he going to fit here? Yeah. It's, and I it's think a, that's the concern. Very uh, big concern there as well. And by the way, so for when I'm grading, like the fact of not having a lot of picks, I don't give a damn. Like I'm not grading. I'm not being like everything to me, I grade based on what happened, not what, you know, all that other stuff. You see the Saints graded out very well at a B minus despite not having a lot of picks. You'll see some other teams here that got failing grades that didn't have a lot of picks as well, but, well, that's, part, that's what it is. So uh, I'm a harsh grader, as we can tell. I'll tell you, the Eagles got a D plus for me too. I don't <laughs> like it at all. I don't, I don't like anything. I don't like Jalen Rieger. I don't like the Jalen Hurts pick very much either. I mean – the Eagles are lucky that the Packers took Jordan Love because otherwise everyone would be like, what the hell are they doing with Jalen Hurts in the second round when you have all these other holes? Specifically, I mean, in DFS, every week I was attacking the Eagles secondary, and it worked out very, very well. And then you go out, you get, what, three wide receivers in there? You have Jason Peters retire you don't take a tackle until the sixth round now i actually kind of like the guy they got it's a unique story uh prince tago wanaho wanaho whatever his name is that but he's an actual real prince which is uh fascinating like coming to america almost uh, as <laughs> the eddie murphy movie from years ago oh, one I, of the I just, movies of all time what is that isn't it a great one i, I but, love it I don't know what the hell the Eagles were doing. I really don't. I know they need to stretch the field. I get it. But the, the needs were obvious, and they just never never addressed them. Yeah, it's funny that you, that you have them rated this low because someone on, on Twitter asked me, and I said the same thing. I, I, I was stunned. I mean, he, he's, the gentleman told me that he saw the live stream. He saw that I looked stunned when they took Jalen Hurts in that second round. It made, just made no, no sense to me mm -hmm. after they extended Wentz last year. Um, I'm not a Jalen Rieger guy myself either, Jeff, to be honest with you. Uh, I, I actually have him, I had him ranked ninth overall before the draft occurred. Uh, among the receivers um, in this draft class. I know you didn't even have them in your top Not 10. Not in the top 10. Yeah. yeah, so 
it's you know it just goes to show you like what, what we feel about him. Um, I think they could have gone in so many other directions. I, I get it. You know, he he's fast or whatnot. Yeah, that's it. I, I, they say you can't teach speed. I get that. But you don't need speed, you know, to be super successful. I mean, DeAndre Hopkins wasn't the fastest guy in his draft class. And look nope. at the receiver he's turned out to be, you know. Um, so I, I agree with you. Look, I, to me, this, this was, <laughs> I, I don't want to say a disaster for the Eagles. But if we're being honest, oh, I think this is, is just a disaster for the Eagles. I mean, they could have done so much better, uh, especially with those first two picks. I mean, after that, I just, to me, nothing made sense with what they did here. So I, I, they're lucky you're giving them a D. I mean, I feel like you're you're being like CBS here and being very generous. <laughs> oh, calling yeah. me out like CBS. <laughs> you know how to get the blood boiling on that one. <laughs> you know, the, uh, 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 that's listen, like, <laughs> the, the uh yeah it's it's listen Rieger um Jalen Hurts uh there's one other guy that I oh I like the Prince I like the offense tackle selection that they made there's a couple guys who have some talent so it's not like they completely reached and all that stuff it just didn't fit again yeah I definitely could have been a little more negative and give them a straight D or D minus I don't think that they they had enough picks that didn't quite get an inch completely with that they get a failing grade but definitely disappointing uh we'll move on to a team that got the only straight d in this group and that was the seattle seahawks they didn't have a lot of early round picks that they had a they move i think they moved back up right did they move back up in the first round am i mistaken on that uh to get jordan brooks jordan brooks is fine jordan brooks is a quality uh, inside linebacker, but really kind of light for an inside guy in a tackle machine. Just doesn't profile to me as a ta- – he's, he's a guy that I think was sort of misrepresented in college. It could have been – he has the body for an edge rusher, but they're playing him inside a little too much. So I, he's just not that sideline-to-sideline ta- sure tackler guy that I think they wanted to draft there. So I think that was a huge reach. I didn't like Daryl Taylor. Didn't like Damian Lewis very much. Damian Lewis was fine, actually. That's not bad. They got rid of DJ Fluker and replaced him there. Colby Parkinson's fine, but you know you have the dismissal coming back. You signed Greg Olson, so as much as I like Colby Parkinson uh, overall, he's just not going to see the field in year one. That's for sure. And I like their best pick was Alton Robinson in the fifth round. Otherwise, there's a lot of nothing in this entire draft class of Seattle. Yeah, 100% agree with you. Uh, and, and then they also, you know, they, they exhausted the fourth-round pick on the tight end, and they went round seven tight end. It didn't make a ton of sense. <laughs> you have Will Disley and Greg Olson. Yeah, exactly. What you know, are and, you and, doing? And you got Parkinson that, like you said, he's someone that could eventually, you know, pan out, and you don't really need him right away, so that's fine. I'm okay with that pick. You know, especially that you're talking about an aging Olsen and, and Disley that's coming off a major injury. But what are you doing? I mean, what are you doing drafting two tight ends? I think they could have done a better job as well. I think they could have addressed the offensive line a little bit more. It's been – this is a run first team. Uh, and, and and not that they have a bad offensive line, but they could definitely use some beefing up there. Uh, I'm okay with Lewis, but I think they could have utilized their first two picks a little bit better. They Remember, no Clowney coming back. You need an edge rusher that didn't address that. Until Alton Robinson, who I – I mean, I'll give him credit. I think that's a hell of a pick because he is a very one-dimensional 
good edge rusher with exceptional bend out of Syracuse. So I, I like that kid, but again, a little too little too late for me for the Seahawks. And the last D I gave out was a D minus. And yeah, you're not going to like it, everybody. Yeah. New England mm-hmm. Patriots get a D minus. That's right. We all know Belichick will hit on some of his players. He's a great evaluator of talent. He's great schematically and game planning wise. There's no doubt about it. But for the amount of picks that they had, to I've never seen I, I've never seen a worse draft under Bill Belichick in my life. They, I was bragging before this draft that well I did that study which was uh, up at FantasyGuru.com. 2015 through 2019, the last five years. I actually went 10 years back for my research on what organizations do, what general managers like to choose and don't like to choose. And one thing I said, well, you'll never catch the New England Patriots drafting a long snapper, a punter, or a kicker. Fifth round, they draft a fucking kicker. It, I'm like, what? They drafted two tight ends. I like Kasiasi from UCLA. I think he, he transferred from another school. He, I like him. Dalton Keene, blah. I don't know. Josh Uche is a huge reach in the second round. Now, they he all Belichick does is draft Michigan, Alabama guys now, evidently. And then Kyle Duggar is a small school kid that is going to, you know, sit back and learn from you know Patrick Chung and Devin McCourty for a couple of years. So I, I don't know what they did. Trading out of the first round when you had Jordan Love sitting there right for you, I'll never understand it. And I think Bill Belichick admitted afterwards. He didn't say it outwardly, but he said, yeah, that wasn't the plan, not to draft a quarterback. And uh, they not coming out of this draft with a quarterback was mind-boggling to me, Armando. Yeah, and then aside from that, just to add to what you're saying, you're looking at round three. They had three picks. Two yeah. of them they exhausted on a tight end. All right? Two, two of the three draft picks in the third round are tight ends, none of which I had, you know, ranked that highly. And I, I look, I'm looking at your rankings here as well before the draft, and you really didn't have any of these guys ranked too high either on your draft board. You know, nine and ten on your draft board. What are you doing? You know, and then a mm. kicker uh, in the oh fifth round. When, when you just lost, you know, a franchise quarterback, the, the guy that, you know, I, I know they say Bill Belichick. There's the argument of Bill Belichick or Brady. Who has it been? I think it's a perfect combination of the two. But I think without Brady, you're going to see a lot of flaws on this team. Uh, and, and I agree. Jordan Love, <laughs> he should have been the guy on their radar. Um, and, and if not him, I was expecting them to go with Jalen Hurts. But. They didn't go either, and that to me was really, really surprising. Um, and then you mentioned Duggar, not someone that's going to step into immediate role, at least not that we think of. Josh, I, I agree, it is a reach. Um, though I do think he fits this the system and this this defense, um, and maybe that's why they did it. Uh, aside from that, really, I there's nothing positive I have to say about any of these picks um, early on. That uh, is agreed. Now, Belichick will get – that's the thing, and and this is where the that-didn't-age-well communities always <laughs> could have a field day, but you got to give assessment and analysis in real time, and you have to do it in the here and the now. And I, Otherwise, we could play the middle and play that game all day long, and I don't want to live like that, so I'm not going to. Following five teams got an F. Now, I gave an F-plus. 
to the Green Bay Packers. Green Bay Packers had a legendary bad draft. The only reason they get a plus because Jordan Love, who I think will could be the best quarterback of this entire class, he had the best arm talent for sure, no doubt about it. Very, very Patrick Mahomes-esque. Uh, I love the kid. The landing spot in Green Bay is bewildering. I think you know scientists are going to study this pick for the next 200 years, most likely. And <laughs> what I don't know what that was, but uh, they did get a good quarterback. When I'll ask you the question: When does Jordan Love start for the Packers? What two year? years from now is probably the most likely scenario. So he's going to sit um, for two years. Though I do believe the year after. 2020, I wouldn't be surprised if I know I know Rogers on the contract for two more years, but I'm not sure you know how his contract works and what the options are. There's an out after 2021. Okay, after 2021. So he's got two years that it's gonna you'd have to trade Rogers after this year. And I think that that would be a very highly likely scenario for the Packers. I, I I would not be surprised to see them trade. Rodgers after this season because look, I agree with you and and I've gotten a ton of heat for this. I think Love is probably going to be the best quarterback in this draft class myself. I think there's a ton of upside. There's the Mahomes ceiling. I don't know if he's going to essentially reach it. And I wrote that in his draft player uh, or profile. Uh, But you also got a little bit of Russell Wilson, a, a little bit, you know, of Colin Kaepernick, Carson Palmer. Like, there's a lot of decent quarterbacks that they kind of, you know, compare to Love. And if he is really well coached and he is given the time to develop, I, I really think you can get as close to the ceiling as possible. And this is the perfect landing spot. And that's why I wrote, if he didn't go early on, I, I was expecting the Chargers to maybe take a ch- chance on him, having Tyrod Taylor, and you could still bench Love. That's what I would have done on the Chargers. But he went all the way back. And Green Bay is a perfect landing spot. I don't know if they're going to bench Rodgers in 2021 and they can't trade him. I, I would find that very hard to believe. But at some point in that season, we could see Love, you know, start for the Packers, assuming Rodgers is still around. But I do think that the Green Bay Packers are going to do uh, everything they can to to trade Rodgers yeah. in 2021. But I agree with you. This, this was just a, a, a awful, awful draft for the Packers. Um, a team that generally drafts well. Um, yeah. Very surprising. A.J. Dillon was another guy that just like, what are you doing? That was I a mean, sm- smushing. That's one of the worst picks I've ever seen. <laughs> like, what, what are you doing? Um, Josiah they, DeGuara, they don't use the tight end. They've never used Every single year, every single year, I fight with the fantasy community, and I've, uh, I am 100 and 0. I've never been wrong once. The Packers don't use tight ends. Stop making them happen. Mark Chimura, Jermichael Finley, Jared Cook, Jimmy Graham, stop. All of them always, it's always no, stop it forever. So I don't, I don't get this either. I don't get it. Yeah. Philly was the last one that, that that did something, right, from the tight end position in 2011 yeah, yeah, or 2012 where he got eight touchdowns, I think it was. Yeah, he had a – yeah, the last time we saw that. That's oh, what, yeah. ten, oh, nine years ago. <laughs> nine yeah. years ago. Yep. Jimmy Graham didn't do anything here. No, nobody you know, like, does. And they never will. It's just not how the Packers run their team. The other F-plus 
I gave to the Oakland Raiders. I thought the Raiders had a miserable draft too. Oh. I mean, I, I I don't know. I in retrospect, I probably give them an F minus. Honestly, I, I should have moved them from a plus. Listen, Henry. Here's the thing: Henry Ruggs has great speed. He doesn't track the football well. Every year, I cover the draft. Every year, there's a kid who lights up the forty. Every year, and it's all, it's usually a wide receiver, and then they go way higher. Than, they can't track the football. It happens every year. Corey Coleman, Philip Dorsett, Cordero Patterson, year after year, and it oh, it's a another one that is a one hundred percent fail rate. And here we go again. And the Raiders go and draft them twelfth overall, first wide out off the board. Terrible pick. Then they back it up. Their third round, I think, were even worse. Lynn Bowden Jr. and Brian Edwards. Lynn Bowden Jr. is not even a wide receiver. I, I don't know what that is. And then Brian Edwards is this intriguing <laughs> prospect and all, but got the body size. I don't know what that was about. I don't think you could have made two worse wide receiver picks in that third round. Devin DuVernay was still on the board, which fits Derek Carr to a, to a T. All they tried to do is draft the fastest team, and it has never worked for the Raiders before. It's never going to work. 40 times is not a true measure of success ever, and uh, this was just a a terrible, terrible draft overall. So, I couldn't agree more with you. I know they needed help at wide receiver, but they also needed help on the defensive line, at the linebacker position, and in the secondary. And they drafted one corner in that first round, and they, they didn't draft another secondary until later in the third round and then in the fourth round. So they really didn't address many of the needs. The receivers that they got, I agree with you. I, Ruggs is the best one out of this group, and I would have gone in a totally different direction. I mean, C.D. Lamb was the pick there. I mean, it was the pick there. They, they had it there. They had it on the plate. I mean – it's like, what else are you waiting for? And I, they went with speed. You've talked about speedy receivers. Ted Ginn is another one that reminds me of when the Dolphins exhausted a first-round pick on him uh, way back then. And it, it just doesn't work out as often as you would hope. Um, yeah, there are successful. It doesn't ever work out. He, you know? Here's the problem. Here's the deal. One of these wide receivers will put up numbers somewhere along the line. Do you idiots know why? Because they freaking have to. That's not going to make it right. This is where poor analysis floods into our industry and floods into professional sports. You're going to grade this draft. Maybe Ruggs is productive. Maybe Brian Edwards is. If Bowden is, I think I'll eat my underpants. Honestly, that's how bad of a pick (laughs) that one is. But somebody's going to prove why. Because they absolutely, profoundly have to. Because there's nobody else. They're going to, somebody's going to have numbers, but it's not going to be a winning formula. They're not going to be a winning part of a winning team. They're not going to excel at their position. It's not going to happen. So be careful when you judge it from a fantasy standpoint and numbers, because maybe Ruggs has seven touchdowns in the year and that ends up being pretty productive, but it's still, there's nobody on the face of the earth. You can't have watched Alabama play football for the last two years let alone one year, and not say Jerry Judy is the best wide receiver they've had. Oh, I, I, it's, not, it's impossible. It's just not a conversation I could have with a human being. 
Like I couldn't, I couldn't look you in the eye. I don't believe you. I don't believe anybody that thinks that. And that's what I think of Mayock and Gruden after that one. The other Fs, uh, the Falcons were absolutely terrible. Of course, they didn't have a lot to go on necessarily. Uh, A.J. Terrell, I like him more than most people. 16th overall, most people thought that was a reach. Uh, but Davidson, Hennessy, ugh. the rest of this was uh, a swing and a miss from the Atlanta Falcons. And then the other F is my Chicago Bears, who you know what I feel about Cole Komet. I don't mind Jalen Johnson, the Utah corner. I just talked about – I do think that the Utah corners were overrated in this draft. The rest of the entire draft was garbage. Pure, burning, burning stinking garbage. Everybody but Jalen Johnson on this entire draft. Ryan Pace, this will be his last year. He has soaked the bed sheets so profoundly it's disturbing. So Falcons and Bears both fails for me, Armando. I 100% agree with you. I mean, when you look at the Falcons, I think they could have done a much better job in this draft. Uh, a, a running back could have, you know, could have been a, a direction they went in and, and they did not. Didn't even um, go with one. Unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and yeah, you get Gurley, but really, uh, let's let's talk reality here. How long do you have uh, of Gurley? Uh, I, I don't think a ton of time. Um, only a matter of time before he breaks down, in my opinion. And I agree with you. I mean, Ch- Chicago, we, we were talking about it on there. And when they went with Cole Met. <laughs> uh, oh, my God. I, man, I, I he, he was one of those guys where I wrote was probably the, the my least favorite pick in that second round. Uh, and, you know, not, not because I don't believe in him. It's just. It, no, you shouldn't. He bobbles. He can't catch a ball without bobbling. <laughs> he, I, you I couldn't pass him a note. Without him bobbling it four times, he can't. He just can't, and yeah. it's it's numbing that it was a hometown pick that absolutely drives me crazy when teams do this. Don't use your draft for public relations, and that's exactly what the Chicago Bears did. Finally, the last team, the worst draft of everybody. It's pretty easy. It's the Houston Texans. Mm -hmm. Yes, no doubt about that. They get an F minus. I mean, they didn't have a lot of picks, not a lot to go by. Um, What do they have? One, two, three, four, five picks totally. Blacklock was okay. Um, Defensive tackle in the second round. I actually think Charlie Heck is a nice developmental tackle, but there's nothing here. They added absolutely nothing to their roster and they could have sat out and done just as well. This is the definition of a terrible front office right here, Jeff. I mean, yeah. you, you traded away <laughs> one of your best players, or actually the best player probably on your roster. And then you wrap it up with this kind of draft. It, it, it's just mind boggling to me. Um, again, they didn't have a ton to work with. Like you mentioned, no first round picks. They gave that to Miami. Uh, but it, 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 I mean, I'm sorry. They give it to Arizona, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but not good. Not good, Jeff. No. Not but good. Not Black good, Lock Jeff. Is the, yeah. n- the only good thing they have here is Blacklock, like you mentioned. They, they, didn't adr- they really could have used a receiver here. They didn't address, address that until the fifth round. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the running back position was also a need for them. They didn't address it whatsoever in this draft. Just a, a, a lot of head scratchers here for them and just not – anything that stands out to me that's going to be very helpful for this team. 
Terrible. So they got an F minus. So that's it, everybody. All 32 NFL teams, seven A's, nine B's, seven C's, four D's, five F's out of the 32 NFL teams. That's the way we grade it. Again, check both Armando and I out at fantasyguru.com rankings. Dynasty rankings, player profiles, NFL drafts, recaps, uh, everything you could imagine. Join us in our live interactive chat room over there as well, 24-7. We're talking football, college football, fantasy football, draft, everything else, OTAs, training camp, everything you need. We got you covered over there. Follow Armando Marsal on Twitter at Armando underscore Marsal. Follow me at Jeff underscore Mans. Don't forget TikTok, the Jeff Mans. Come on. Get after it, everybody. <laughs> TikTok. I'll be, uh, I'll be dancing and singing. I'll do whatever it takes, like a, like a clown. I'll dance for nickels for you folks. That's going to do it for us. Any final words, Armando, before we let the kiddies go in this marathon of a podcast we put together today? Not much, sir. Just make sure to go check out. We've been doing the winners and losers at every position uh, over at Fancy Guru. We've got the quarterback and running backs done already. Tyler will be doing the wide receiver on Wednesday. So we're going to be wrapping each yep. and every one of these positional uh rankings, or, or not rankings, winners and losers. And we'll be doing that as well, uh, positional rankings this week post-draft. So Excited about that. Excited about the content we're producing, man. Uh, good to be back in this football with all this football information and, and, and able to talk about it, man. Absolutely. It was a great time had by all. If you want to uh, recite and go listen back to myself, Armando, Tyler Beaker, Russell Clay, and Mike Dempsey doing hosting the NFL draft coverage live and hear our thoughts live as they happen. Uh, go to fanlinksports.com. It's free to everybody. And uh, just go in there and uh, search NFL Draft, and boom, top thing that comes up. Just press the play button. It's on demand. Place anytime you like it. For the great Armando Marsal, this is Jeff Vance. Remember, folks, you may disagree, and that's okay. Why? Because this is one man's opinion. We'll see you next time, everybody. 